Devour the podcast is for mature audiences only. Hello and welcome everyone to Devour the Podcast, episode 119. I am your host, David, along with me is Jamie. Hello. Whoa, that's a delay. Yeah, it was. I'm assuming that was she was just tired. She spaced out for a second. <laughs> yeah, that was not a that was not a Skype problem. That was user error. <laughs> uh, we have a term for that. I can't think of the acronym is now. God damn it. Anyway, um, joining us as always is Bo. Hey, everybody. And with us this week is our special guest Vanessa. Hello. So this uh, this week or this episode rather, we'll be discussing uh, Ganja and Hess from 1973, and some other stuff because uh, we got news and shit. So real quick, I want to get some plugs out of the way. Um, t-shirts are available. I know they weren't. This wasn't a thing last episode. Um, but t-shirts are available. Uh, you can go over to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash devour um, hyphen the hyphen merch. Uh, and you get t-shirts there. They're about 20, 20 bucks, I want to say. Um, there's like three designs. Um, and thank you to Lori. Uh, she bought two of them and posted those on the uh, Facebook group. And I think... I know we've sold a couple more. I just don't know who to whom because I've not seen any pictures yet. So, I, Yay, bought, a I bought a shirt, Woo. but I haven't gotten it yet. Okay. Yay, Vanessa. <laughs> so, yeah, go buy shirts. Um, there's a classic logo design. There's a fuck this movie shirt, and there's a devil baby shirt. Um, there will probably be more coming. Um, I just have not had time to work on anything. And um, we will have a really nice, um, a really nice design being done by uh, a listener, which I'm really excited about. So that will be in the near future. Uh, so yeah, that's it for plugs. I need to get out of the way. What? Uh, how's everybody? How has everybody been? I've been fantastic. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I uh, I've been super busy with a bunch of uh, different stuff. And uh, I will do quick plugs as well. Okay. So uh, Horror Hangover is a, a Legion Podcasts uh, exclusive show. It's only available if you subscribe to the main feed. Uh, Vanessa has been a guest. Uh, and uh, so that's happening. Um, there's about to be a new um, Hero Hero Go show where Richard Schmidt and I finish up the Tomie series. Oh, nice. Which is incredibly goofy. Yeah, it is. The first one's really and, good. The first, and I would argue uh, that Rebirth and um, Rebirth in particular. Is it the second uh, one? Uh, that is the 
third, I believe. Okay, because I think I saw the second the... one is another face, which was the made-for-TV one. Yeah, I think I saw that one, and I didn't finish it. It's it it's climbing the charts for me. Like I now that I've steeped okay. myself into Tomie mythology, I like it a lot more because it it does some Junji Ito uh, specific stuff that I really like. But anyway, okay. So we're about to do that, and uh, of course, uh, Duncan and uh, Bo go to Twin Peaks. Ease um, is uh, about to wrap up season two of Twin Peaks, and then we do. Uh, books and Firewalk with me. Oh, you're covering the books too. Yeah, yeah. I'm about halfway through Secret Diary of Laura Palmer. Um, and... Do you have the Agent Cooper tapes? I don't have the Agent Cooper tapes. I don't I know that we've I discussed. Still that. have it. All right. If you do, I might have. Let me know. I might have it as an audio. Um, let me look. I'll look up. I'll look later, and I will. Look, if I have it, I'll send it to you. You know, I, one thing I didn't do, and I, I, I feel like I might uh, just because I haven't finished yet, is Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, uh, you can get read by uh, Cheryl Lee. Oh, nice. And I haven't done it yet, but it's only three bucks, and I think I'm going to because that seems pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, that uh, that shows utter nonsense. <laughs> and it um, uh, has been a great a, a great joy. So thanks to people who've been listening to that. And th- so, but I've been doing all that stuff plus, plus work and, and, and plus uh super secret projects and whatnot. So yeah, I've been busy, but excited. Good. Jamie. I've been, <laughs> I've, been <laughs> I've been working a lot. So that's pretty much that's been my life uh, the last several weeks. I have um, just been working. I think I, that's it. I'm tired. All right. Got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get Jamie a defibrillator. <laughs> Clear. And we're back. Yeah. <laughs> News. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> that Nightmare on Elm Street remake is watchable. <laughs> I like how you couldn't even bring yourself to say good for an impression. I couldn't, not even for that. I can't do it. I have standards. I, yeah. I've got my lines in the sand. I know you do. All right, Vanessa, Just, how uh, jog my head brain on occasion? <laughs> how about you, Vanessa? Um, mostly, well, I mean, busy with work, but like everybody else, but the latest episode of VD Clinic dropped last week, our Satanic Panic episode, uh, in which we cover House of the Devil and, um, some quote unquote memoir book, Michelle remembers that started all that fucking bullshit. Yep. <laughs> God. <laughs> yes. And we talk, get to talk a little about Canadian Satan. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, All right. What's the, hmm? what's the difference between Satan and Canadian Satan, other than politeness? <laughs> well, <laughs> listen to the episode; and you can find out. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. It's real yeah. good. It's real good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I felt like that one actually. That episode feels like it hit it. I think that one feels like we're starting to. It's starting to gel now for me. So I was very happy with that. And also, thank you to Darren for um, joining us on that episode for yeah. his uh, joining in the review of um, House of the Devil. 
Oh my god, that book was so fucking bad. <laughs> it sounds really interesting, and I I and it's I love it, satanic panic stuff. Right? It sounds really interesting, but it is dry as shit. Yeah, I could see that. I'm trying to make it seem official and all that. Yeah, it's, um, it's real bad. But you can yeah. listen to the episode. We basically tell you everything that happens. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I'm sure excited for- to listen to that episode. I've gotten to where I can actually hear podcasts again Yay. in my my one job. Yeah, yeah, I know. So I just want to know, did you guys cover the Geraldo Rivera show? We didn't. Oh, man, we actually watch that on occasion. Just like, we'll, we'll, because it's on YouTube. Oh, okay. His uh, yeah. Satanic Panic episode. I forgot he had done every one. Now and, every now and again, we'll just pull that up and watch it for, just for shits and giggles, because it's great stuff. But Yeah, I pulled, uh, I pulled clips from the 60 Minutes story, because uh, that had Pastor, it had the author in it, so I was like, okay, yeah, I gotta get clips of that asshole. <laughs> um, and then there was I Vanessa had mentioned that the that he'd been on Oprah and I couldn't find that unfortunately. I think that was supposed to be like eighty nine. Yeah, I couldn't. But not. I know I know he'd been on or some some of them had been on. I knew Geraldo, but I didn't know if he specifically had been. Yeah, and I totally spaced on. I I for whatever reason Geraldo didn't come to mind. Although that should have been like the first person I thought of. Fucking scumbag. <laughs> you know. By sheer force of will, uh, speaking of satanic panic, uh, at some point I'm going to force us to watch the movie Mazes and Monsters. Awesome. Featuring Tom Hanks in an early role. We should, oh my God, we should do maze, we should do a double feature of Mazes and Monsters and um, Dark Dungeons based on the oh, chick tract. Yes, yes, I am 100% on board for this. Yes. That's, that's going to be a thing that happens in the future, folks. Um, <laughs> but not for the next three months because the uh, schedule's already been made and it's up on the Facebook if you want to check that out. Um, so we'll be doing uh, August will be our Hack to School special with Cherry Falls. Uh, September we'll be doing The Editor from Astron 6 and then for our Halloween special we're finally doing Night of the Demons. Yay! And I'll... Oh, The good one, right? Not the yeah, remake. Oh, yeah, of course the good one. Yay! <laughs> No, I've seen. The, I saw the remake once. That was enough. It was more I, than enough. I that was one I never made it all the way through. I feel like I I kind of should at some point. It ends but well. Ed, Edward Furlong is just so unpleasant in that movie, <laughs> and I think, and I don't even mean his character, just him as a him. person. Yeah. yeah, like you can, you can almost see like the stink lines coming off of him. Yeah. Like pig pen. It's kind of like watching, uh, Oh God, was it, uh, the crow? I think wicked prayer is the one that he's in and he's kind of chubby and just dumb looking. And just, <laughs> ugh. it's like he is channeling Cameron Mitchell at like, you know, from 40 years in the future, like good old fashioned drunk Cameron Mitchell <laughs> has somehow found a new vessel in Edward Furlong. <laughs> it's possible. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I, I'm... Look, not my specialty. Voodoo isn't my thing. But I'm saying, if Cameron Mitchell <laughs> has possessed anyone, it's clearly Edward Furlong. Yeah. It makes about, it makes as much sense as anything else. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. 
Um, I've been I've been up to much other than work as well, um, and editing and stuff, um, and f- yeah, that's pretty much it. So let's. Uh, what have we watched? Uh, Vanessa, you go first. Well, um, I, I haven't feel like I feel like I haven't watched tons, but I just have finished watching. Uh, rewatching rather the first half of Twin Peaks. Um, finally decided to go back and rewatch that. Um, and I've been working so much, and I come home so bra- so brain dead that I'm sitting here and I'm like, "Wow, this makes perfect logical sense." So <laughs> good, good. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that says about what's going on in my regular life, but yeah. So I've been enjoying that, and then. Um, after we did House of the Devil, I felt the need to go watch uh, Innkeepers because uh, I hadn't seen that in a while. Um, I still enjoy it. Uh, I love Innkeeper. That, yeah. It's one, it's really one of my favorite not ghost movies. That one for some reason, I mean, I do well, that's not right. Then. You should. Yeah, it's, I should. Yeah. Like coming off of uh, House of the Devil, I think that's. Like, I think I, that's, I saw it like right out shortly after that, and I was real high on yeah. House of the Devil. So, sure, and it's a totally yeah. different animal. It's right. a different kind of movie, and as, as a a story about a haunted place, it's one of my favorites. I I think it's really really well done, uh, and Sarah Paxton is just cute as a bug in that movie. Yeah, she is. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what else I watched. Mutilator, which I hadn't seen in a million and one years, and eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, I, I was only half paying attention, I suppose, but it just really, yeah, didn't keep my interest uh, that much. And uh, that song, though, <laughs> it's fall break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I had to hear that song like five times while it was load- the movie was loading correctly with my Roku. So, um, <laughs> oh God, painful. <laughs> so, I guess that's probably, yeah, that's mostly what I can think of. Okay. Uh, Jamie, have you had a chance to watch anything? Besides the insides of your Actually, eyelids? yeah. <laughs> actually, yes, I have. Uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, because. That's what I do because I can't. I the part of the problem, part of the reason I'm so tired is I can't sleep. I cannot get my body acclimated to the schedule, so I'm I'm not sleeping. Um, but we watched Life, which I really liked. I had wanted to see that in the theater and never got around to doing it, and I wish I had because I enjoyed that quite a bit. We watched Kong again, which I did see in the theater, and so we just, like a couple days ago, watched it again, and I oh, I love that movie so much. That movie is so fun. I just... It's real I, dumb. It is. Well, fun. yeah, but... Absolutely. So, I mean, what the hell do you want from your monster movie? It's like, it's... I want to see Kong beating the shit out of some monsters, and that's what I get to see. I mean, when he picks up the tree and rakes off the branches and then just starts whacking them with it i i don't know i i thought it was fantastic the cgi is incredible it looks beautiful i love the soundtrack um i love the like uh wink wink here's some apocalypse now shots you know it just um i just i'm all about it i really love that movie um 
We watched uh, Fate of the Furious because I am a huge Fast and the Furious fan. So we finally got around to watching that. And it just, I marvel at how these movies started out as like street racing movies. And then (laughs) now they're like international espionage. (laughs) Yeah. At what point did they go to space? You're right. It's about to happen. That's I mean, the next you know, one. suddenly they're all working for the government, and I'm like, what? What is happening here? <laughs> how, did this, how did this happen? But of course, at the end of that, there's like this um, Paul Walker thing, and I just bawled because I, y'all know I love Paul Walker, and I I miss him. Um, we watched uh, the Reef uh, because Brian had never seen it, and that's a shark movie that I always really liked. It's very simple, yeah. but I. I, I think it works. I think it um, it uh, has some really good moments of tension. So I enjoyed that. Uh, and the shark watched... attacks are genuinely good in that. It looks they are. real raw. They yeah. are. And yeah. Um, I like that. It uh, and it just and it kind of keeps me on edge, you know, which I, I think is cool. Fourteen oh eight because. <laughs> My new, one of my uh, jobs now is uh, I work for the Marriott. So, um, <laughs> Brian thought it would be funny to me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Innkeepers also a so good now, Yeah. So yeah. now we also yeah. need to watch Innkeepers and The Shining and any yeah. other, <laughs> any other freaky hotel movie. Uh, and that's the, that's the overnight job. So now we're going to make sure I never sleep again. That's what it is. <laughs> or... <laughs> I guess I shouldn't be sleeping at work anyway. <laughs> <laughs> In theory, sure. And then he picked up the Boogans recently just because. And so we watched that. And that is, y'all, that movie is so fun. It's so 80s. Uh, it's, I just, I love the, oh, I, I just enjoy it. That's a fun movie. And that's one that nobody ever really talks about. So, um, I, I recommend that movie. It's very simple, you know, and a, a lot of it is kind of like, really? You know, <laughs> but the characters are good characters. And, like, I genuinely don't want to see any of them die because they're just, they're good people. And there's even a little dog in there, and he's a little fuzzy dog, and I'm not typically a fuzzy dog fan. Like, I like big dogs that you can hug, you know. <laughs> but <clears throat> this little poodle... He has got so much personality and he's so cute and he just, I'm just, oh, and at one point, like, so even the dog is a good character, right? And at one point, Brian goes, I feel bad for the dog because like, you kind of know what's coming. I mean, and Brian's, I'm the sentimental one, you know, like I'm the one that cries at everything or whatever. So for him to say that, that that's, that's kind of a big deal, you know, <laughs> it means that, that dogs, he's, he's good people, but, um. It's just, it's they really don't write characters like that anymore. Just genuinely good. Nobody's an asshole. Um, it, it's you actually get invested in these people, and um, you know the the creatures themselves are just kind of on the verging on adorable because uh, they're so silly looking. But I don't know. I, I love it. It's got a fantastic score that. Um, it's Bob Summers, but it kind of sounds a, a little. There, there are some hints of Friday the Thirteenth in there, just a little bit, so you can kind of tell what was going, what was going on in horror at the time. It's just I don't know. I guess I've talked about that movie a lot, but <laughs> 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 I can I can move on. But 
seriously, if people aren't haven't seen it in a long time or have just never seen it, I recommend it because it's super fun. That's it for me. Okay, Bo. Well done. Um, I would like to that, uh, see. I can't remember if last time I talked about Capture Kill release. Did I? The found footage uh, movie uh, about the couple that's going to murder somebody. No, you talked about uh, it with Duncan, I believe. All right. See, this is why I get confused. Because so I know you, I, I do remember hearing you talk about it with Duncan, and it was either, I think it was on, on it may have been on Twin Peaks or something, but. So I saw that. I, w- okay. I won't, <laughs> I, I, I won't go over it too much here because I, you know, that's the premise. It's a found footage movie um, where. You know, all right. So uh, I was at a Fourth of July party, and I was thinking about this movie because I just seen it. And so uh, one of my fellow party goers, uh, I say to him, uh, "Hey, this movie's pretty good." I was like, "You know how every now and again you think I, I could probably kill somebody, but <laughs> how how on earth would I go about it? You know, like I, I want to get away with it." And he was like, "I don't ever think that." And I. <laughs> So I was like, okay, so imagine if you did <laughs> and and then this movie would be right up your alley because that's what it is. It's a couple deciding like, hey, we're going to murder someone and it's, you know, here's how we pick them. Here's what we're going to do to them. Here's a dry run kind of thing. It's like the whole thing is really fascinating and it doesn't totally stick the landing, but uh, the lead actress uh, named Jennifer Frazier, I believe, mm-hmm. um, is is fantastic in it. And uh, I highly recommend Capture Kill Release. Uh, I would also mention a movie called We Go On, um, which hails itself as a movie from the creators of Yellow Brick Road, which says, don't watch this movie. Right. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that oh, that's a meandering movie. Um, I like the ending; just takes too goddamn long to get there. I well, I kind of felt the same way about that. I really I liked what they were doing. I liked the whole idea behind that movie. I just feel like by the time we got to the end, I'm like, why are we still here? Like, <laughs> are you talking um, about we go on? We go on, yeah. I see. Again, this is one of those things that's kind of you know, just it hits the right frequency for me because I think the whole premise, which the premise of the movie is a guy posts an ad in the paper that offers $30,000 to anyone who can give him proof of the afterlife. And the reason he does so is because he has, uh, this memory of a, uh, a accident his father was in. Um, and he's, you're breaking up and there's nothing yep you're breaking up hello there we go oh oh sorry uh Anyway, can you guys yeah. hear the neighbors in my hall? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Okay. Uh, there we go. Yeah, there I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, Skype. 
sorry about that. Uh, so what? What? Uh, where should I start here? Um, the hell movie you were talking about after I captured? Uh, we go on. Yeah. Oh, you were kind of explaining the. Oh, the. You were explaining the the the, pl- the premise of the of the movie. Oh, okay. So, again, long story short, uh, it's a guy who who posts an ad in a newspaper um, for uh, offering thirty thousand dollars to anyone who can provide proof of the afterlife. Uh, because he uh, is somewhat paralyzed by fear of dying, um, even though he's a relatively young man and so forth. And um, Annette O'Toole, uh, as you may remember from the classic miniseries It, um, is in it. And uh, she plays the mother, and I think she's fantastic in that movie. And uh, But I, I think it's really fascinating. Like There, there are kind of these vignettes almost that are like, well, here's kind of the con man, and here's maybe someone who's legit and maybe here's someone who is playing a longer con and also here's the thing that may be real and I then love those that whole like it's not it's not a montage i guess because they don't go by very quickly it's not that quick but i i, I love that little snippet into him checking out all the different people yeah yeah. And I and I think when it gets to the thing like, you know, obviously things take a turn for the supernatural and when they do, uh I was on board with all of that. I mean, there I have my quibbles with some stuff. Don't get me wrong, I don't think it's a perfect movie, mm-hmm. but for being uh, a movie about something that I kind of have an innate interest in and it it's reasonably well executed and I think it does uh in fairly well. Um so anyway, I thought we go on with was very good. I th- I definitely think it's it's worth a watch. I just feel like it was like you said meandering. I do I do feel that way, but I liked it. I still liked it. Uh, I have one question for you though. Did that moment get you? Uh, like when you realize, yeah, who the caller is. Is that what yes. you're talking about? Um, yeah. no, no, no. I mean, I think by that point you man, kind of it got that. me. No, it got <laughs> me. Um. That very, I, I think like it works, but that split it's... second moment, I was like, "Whoa!" Um, and I thought it was very creepy and really well done. So, the, and Annette O'Toole was the bomb. You were right. She, yeah, she's fantastic in that in that movie as kind of a no bullshit kind of mom who, you know, is is joining her son as he's going through this. And uh, yeah, I liked I liked her quite a bit, um, especially the scene at the the funeral. Um, I think is a great scene for her. But anyway, so oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I would, I would, I would say at the very least, give it a watch. Uh, even if you saw Yellow Brick Road and said to yourself, like maybe I did, there is no way in hell I'm ever watching a movie done by these people again. I did see that movie. I reviewed it on episode three of this show, and I believe I gave it a fuck. This movie. It's. Mm, I think man. There, I don't there were remember. some good ideas in Yellow Brick Road, but there were it, some good it, ideas, but it was not executed well at all. No, it it was not. Yeah, uh, that movie was real bad. Yeah, it's a shame. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like a lot about it, but yeah, yeah. But we go on, it's good. All right, I'll give it a shot. What about you, David? Uh, <laughs> I've actually watched stuff. It's for once. Uh, so I rewatched uh, Friday Six. Jason goes to hell because I fucking love that movie, and it's super fun. 
Wait, did you say Friday Six and Jason Goes to Hell? No, or no I'm Friday sorry. Jason, Six? Jason Lives. Oh, okay. Sorry. Because I was very confused there. Yeah, I was <laughs> no, like, sorry. Jason Goes to Hell is not a great movie. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I got the ta- I got the subtitle wrong. Uh, yeah, it was, I was Jason Jason Lives. I watched because um, it's super fun and I fucking love that movie. And Tom Matthews is uh, Tommy Jarvis is the best. I watched uh, Hellraiser Debtor for Teapots, and that's not a good movie. <laughs> it's, no. it's, it's real bad. Nope. Uh, I watched Glow on Netflix, and that was real f- that was a really good series. So I'm looking forward to season two. I loved that. They, uh, me, um, me it was too. Amazing yeah. to me how dead on they were with some of the actual details. I mean, not without like without with using different names mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like they, I thought they seamlessly blended the fiction and nonfiction of that story to to the point where if you watch that back to back with the glow documentary, documentary yeah that's on there on netflix right now yeah yeah that was that was really fun and i'm excited for season two i've actually seen people post where they're like oh i couldn't get I, we may have both been in this thread i don't remember where they were where they said you know i couldn't get past the first episode i it was just, it was awful. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That show was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed <laughs> I just, it. I loved it. Yeah. Glow was super fun. Um, I watched the Brendan Fraser mummy. And holy shit, that movie holds up. That movie's fucking great. Yeah, I've been, I've kind of been itching to watch that again. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Cause I picked up the, I picked up the first two on Blu-ray from Amazon. Cause they were like seven bucks. And I was like, I want to watch the fucking, I want to watch the Brendan Fraser mummy. And I did. And it was like, damn, this is really fun. Like it's a good action horror movie that works. And I'm like, wow, how did universal continue to fuck this, this formula up for the next <laughs> 20 years? That's real frustrating. Um, and then I watched House of the Devil for VD Clinic. Um, Ganja and Hess for this show. And um, the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why, which is really, really good. It's also really, really sad. It's a fair All right. I, yeah, I, I could use a good cry, David. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's about a... Um, this girl who commits suicide creates these 13 tapes explaining why she committed suicide. And there's an elaborate, elaborate plot of the tapes going to various people uh, who are on the tapes. And then we pick up with this one character and kind of follow him throughout as the story unfolds. It's really, really good. Really, really well written, too. Have you heard about the hoopla with it? Um, I guess a lot of people are were freaking out because... Um, I guess a girl, I think it was a girl, committed suicide after watching this. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to blame, it's the old, it's the old, you know, we're going to blame the video right. games, we're going to blame the music, we're going to blame whatever. Yeah. And, there's a, there's and they yeah. feel like it glorified suicide. No, no and, not at all. And uh, I was, and so they're actually trying to call for Netflix to either get rid of it mm-hmm. or like, or um, put... A um, we call it a warnings trigger warning yeah. a trigger warning in the beginning. And there are they there are several episodes with trigger warnings. 
that say, you know, this episode deals with, you know, either uh, sexual assault or suicide. And it's no, if you think this show is glorifying suicide, you are insane. This is not, this is no, not at all. The suicide scene that takes place in the show literally made me cringe. It was the well, most you know, one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever watched, and I, you know, the, the shit that I watch, I'm used to this sort of thing. But I was like, "Oh, god damn!" This, and it was like genuinely sad, and I was like, "Fuck, this is you know." There are people who just will, and they will always think that simply mentioning something is glorifying it, right? You know, and it's like no, I mean yeah. you. And then, of course, there are the the camp of people who believe we need to talk about things. We need yeah. to to or to acknowledge the fact that things are out there, and I think and let people know that they're yeah. not alone if they're having yeah. these feelings. And I think that's that's really what this it's show me. does a really good job of doing. Is like I personally, I I saw a lot of myself in uh, in the Clay character, who's kind of our protagonist through the story, um, at that age, and. You know, now as an adult, you know, 15 odd years or so, however long it's been since I've been out of high school, you, you know, it's like I, I'm watching these, these these characters interact with each other. I'm like, yeah, that's, I remember that. And, you know, there's moments where someone does something kind of dumb and you're just like, yeah, because you're a fucking teenager. So you're going to do something stupid like that and you're not going to realize how it affects other people because you're a fucking teenager, <laughs> you know, and so it's. I think it is, I think it is, it handles the subject matter very well. It's not pandering. And I think it is something that is, could be very, you know, could be used as a teaching sort of thing to be like, yeah, hey, if you have these feelings, you should talk to people, sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, that is what I watched. Hmm. I, I keep hearing about uh, the 13 reasons mm-hmm. why. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it it seems it, it's one of those things of like I still haven't watched Manhattan by the Sea. Is mm-hmm. that what it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, Manchester. Manchester by the Sea, because like I like everyone in it. Mm-hmm. I like the writer and director a whole lot, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, oh yeah. I mean, by the end of this movie, you're gonna want to you know put your head in the oven. But it's great. <laughs> well, no, and and this wasn't. I didn't. I didn't feel that way. I mean, there were definitely episodes that were very sad. Um, but the story was really good. And like I said, as an adult, there's a lot of moments where I'm screaming at all of the characters, especially the Hannah character who, who committed suicide, you know, because she's explaining, you know, expressing, she's talking about how a situation affected her. And then, you know, I'm sitting there going, no, you can't, you can't expect that from, no, you can't, you can't expect someone to just read your fucking mind in the situation. That's not how things work. And it's like, oh, you're such a stupid teenager. (laughs) Um, so no, I would, you know, it is super sad, but you're not going to want to put your head in the oven. Okay. I mean, no more than normal. No more than normal. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, is that, I think it's everything for, for now. Oh, Jamie Jenkins. Jamie Jenkins. Oh shit. I watched a, I watched a movie called, uh, here alone, Mm -hmm. uh, now available on Netflix. Um, which was recommended to me, and I just wanted to officially state, uh, yes, I can't remember who recommended it to me, but I did watch that movie, and uh, yeah, all right, 
it's oh. fine. It's it, it's the like uh, uh, zombie apocalypse kind of film, and there's only really like three characters in it. It like it has some interesting moments, but it would have worked so much better as a short film instead mm. of feature length. It, it felt a little. Uh, speaking of meandering, <laughs> this thing definitely took a stroll or two. Yeah, okay. Um, anyway, all right, done. Okay. Wait, the- Jamie Jenkins. Oh, Jamie Jenkins. Okay. We watched. <laughs> Uh, it stains the sands red, huh? Uh, which is um, a zombie film, but there's just one zombie and one chick, and she is traipsing through the deserts uh, near Vegas. Um, she kind of gets stranded out there, so she's trying to get to meet some people at an airfield. So she's basically the whole movie is her like trying to get away from this one zombie who's following her incessantly. Oh my god, it was great. It kind of, I saw the trailer for it. Um, I can't remember if it was when I went to see something a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, and it, it sort of, when I watched the trailer, it kind of put me in mind of The Dead. Mm-hmm. Just with the shots and everything. And, and it's like, a, and how, like those scenes where he's walking through the deserts of Africa. And it's just, they're very slow and relentless. Yeah. You know? But they're coming, mm-hmm. you know, which I think worked really well. Like I loved that movie. I remember that conversation, and David did not. <laughs> but <laughs> I got your back, JJ. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, but this film, so this film is, uh, in a lot of ways, reminds me of that for that reason. It is gorgeous. I mean, these vistas are amazing and this just they stand back and let you see things which i absolutely love and it has some moments of genuine like i I mean like at one point i was genuinely terrified and then uh it has a lot of humor and it kind of changes gears toward the end and ends up being something a little bit different from the beginning of the film but it I really, really, really enjoyed it. And the lead, I cannot remember her name, but she basically carries the entire film and she is fantastic. So, yeah, if anyone has been wondering about that one, I highly recommend it. All right. Uh, okay. Also going to pull no, Jamie no. Jenkins because I watched Castlevania. Oh, I like that. It I thought that was, that was a good time. It was okay. I mean, I was... I think I was initially kind of disappointed that it was going to be animated because I'm like oh god it's going to be another goddamn anime but after watching I'm like okay yeah they kind of to pull off what they were trying to do they had to do it that way it's okay I, I kind of yeah I'm kind of interested to see where it goes with the next season which we'll talk about in the news um, it was alright I felt like I didn't really have enough time to really the, the four episodes didn't really give me enough to get me into it particularly I thought uh, it was very fun. I'm not like that's not an a- animation style I'm necessarily uh, captivated by, mm-hmm. but I it made me laugh out loud a handful of times. I thought the Trevor Belmont character was actually pretty good. Um, you know, I was into Dracula's motivation. I was I was with him. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I wish there had been a little more because I think it, the series kind of ends where it really ought to be really kicking in mm-hmm. 
But, you know, I had a good time watching it. And it's, you know, for a season, <laughs> it takes about a, an hour and 50 minutes to watch everything. So it's right. the Castlevania movie. Basically. Uh, yeah. But it, I, I had a good time with it. Okay. All right. Well, then, uh, if that, I think it's everything. All right. Well, actually, I could pull a Jamie Jenkins, but that's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Else has done it. Nice. I watched the uh, Island of Dr. Moreau, the 96 version, <laughs> last night. Oh, yeah. And I hadn't seen that in probably since it came out. But, oh, my goodness. That is just kind of bananas. The CGI is terrible. But uh, <laughs> it's just batshit crazy with uh, just Marlon Brando alone. But <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on there. Yeah, I've been kind of itching uh to watch the God, what what is the name of the documentary? Oh, Lost Souls. Uh, yeah, which is excellent. Yeah. It is, and it's been a while. And just the the part where the director just like fucks off to live in the woods for a while is one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, it's just you would think it was just a crazy batshit whatever movie anyway, but then after seeing that documentary and knowing even more of the backstory of the whole production and uh yeah wow it's uh the only thing positive i can say is that uh frizzy bulk is incredibly hot so yeah <laughs> yeah she's a sexy little panther lady or something yeah, yeah. exactly i got to watch this stupid ass movie now it's it's worth watching cuz it it is. It's worth the watch. I mean, it's and a it's train the only time wreck. her mouth doesn't overshadow everything else. It's <laughs> true. You got room to build with the, <laughs> the, the Um But yeah, it like you can see the train wreck of that movie slowly unfold before your eyes. Ooh. And it's no fascinating. But the yeah. like by the the chaotic end of that movie, mm-hmm. like that has to just mirror the production. On a nearly one-to-one level. Nice. Well, I think you can I have the Rift Tracks version. You can see the scenes that they shot later as they ran out of budget. <laughs> <laughs> like you can clearly tell what didn't have budget. All right. Cool. I will. Pro- oh, maybe I'll watch that tonight. All right. So we will be right back with the news. Be quiet a second, will you? It's eight o'clock in Los Angeles. It's nine o'clock in Denver. It's 10 o'clock in Chicago. In Baltimore, it's 6.42. Time for the 11 o'clock report. Here's Johnny. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. And we are back with the news. Uh, this is exciting. I don't know about the stories yet, but the fact that we're back with the news is exciting. Yeah, so there's that. First up, uh, Netflix has officially ordered Castlevania Season 2. Even as the streaming service debuted the first season of the animated Castlevania, Netflix has solidified plans for a Castlevania Season 2, increasing the episode order from 4 in its first season to 8 for the second season. A Konami video game, 
fuck Konami. The first Castlevania was a popular title for the original Nintendo Entertainment System following the game's release in 1986. This storyline has the Player controlling a vampire hunter by the name Simon Belmont. Belmont, the last surviving member of the disgraced Belmont clan, is trying to save Eastern Europe from extinction at the hand of Vlad Dracula Tep... Tep... Huh. Tepish. I know how to say it, but they <laughs> oh, spelled well. it wrong in the article. <laughs> Just saying that's not how it sounded. <clears throat> Um, no, no, it was just, I got stalled because they misspelled it in the article. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Himself inspired by, the, inspired by the game, the animated Castlevania hails from best-selling author and comic book legend Warren Ellis. The Castlevania cast features the voice talents of Graham McTavish of The Hobbit and Preacher as Dracula, Richard, Richard Armitage of The Hobbit Trilogy as Trevor Belmont, James Callis of Battlestar Galacta, Galactica as Alucard, Emily Swallow from Supernatural is Lisa. Matt Frewer, oh, he just pops up in the weirdest places. As the Bishop, Tony Amendola of Annabelle. <laughs> I would make him find something else. <laughs> you know what? Don't don't use don't don't use that as my reference. I did a Hunts commercial like 17 years ago. <laughs> Let's use that. <laughs> as the elder and Alejandro Reynoso. <laughs> as Cypha Belnades. Uh, Castlevania has been a world icon for 30 years, says Fred Siebert, chief creative officer of WOW Unlimited Media and CEO of Frederator Network and Frederator Studios. WOW and Frederator, uh, quote, WOW and Frederator are honored to have the privilege of bringing it to life as an entertainment series that will continue its story for years to come. Okay, there's that. Didn't you just you just said you watched that, right, David? Yeah, we all. Uh, That's Bo what you're talking about. Did, yeah, both seem to have been, yeah. enjoyed it more than I did. Yeah, I mean, my biggest problem with it is that there just wasn't enough of yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately what my problem was with it too. Was it just it's not enough? Like you can't just like that. I think it's frustrating because it's like if you're gonna do four episodes, you like literally could have like all of basically all four episodes could have been episode one. Like that's all backstory shit. And getting uh, introducing Alex. Well, I, I did not. I did. The only connection I have with that is I played the video game from PlayStation. The, the first PlayStation. Yes. Yes. I actually still have it. <laughs> good ass game. But that was a really good game. The, the, most, the, most, the, most of the Castlevania franchise, I'd say pre-3D, has, was really good. Like, the first Castlevania is a, is a motherfucker. The game is hard as shit. Um, but yeah, Symphony of the Night's really good. The one Super Castlevania was really good. Um, the ones they did for the Game Boy, um, or the, no, it was the Game Boy Advance ones, I think. Those were, the, those were all really, really good, because they were all basically Symphony of the Night style Castlevania games, which were the fucking best. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the franchise enough, but yeah, fuck Konami. <laughs> I'm Jim Sterling, son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love that guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, next up, uh, Dawn of the Dead remake coming to Scream Factory in a collector's edition Blu-ray. Thursday, it was announced that classic catalog horror and fantasy stalwarts, Scream Factory, love them, uh, were bringing George A. Romero's fourth dead film, Land of the Dead, to Blu-ray in special two-disc collector's edition. Friday, the studio teased that they're also bringing one of the key films that reignited the current zombie craze and enabled Romero to make land. Zack Snyder's 2004 remake of 1978 masterpiece, Dawn of the Dead. This is all very exciting to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I really enjoy that remake. It's one of, the, one of the few remakes that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually like Land quite a bit. I, when I first saw it, I went to the premiere. I didn't really like it. And I was so sad that I didn't really like it. And then when I got home, I bought it when it came out and I watched it a bunch and then I love it. And honestly, I think I was just tired and we were all cramped in this tiny little theater. It was very hot in there and I was preoccupied with all the stuff I had to do while I was there. So I think I was just not in the the right frame of mind. But then once I watched it over and over again, I, I really quite enjoy Land of the Dead. So all of that whole thing is exciting to me. Uh, but here's what Screen Factory posted on their official pace- <laughs> Facebook page. Um, that, that basically they announced it. Um, the project is still in progress, but this is what they can tell you so far. The Blu-ray release will be branded as a collector's edition that will come with a slipcover guaranteed for three months after its original release date. The slipcover is guaranteed, yeah. Or they're guaranteeing you'll get one. The, after... I think they mean the slipcovers, <laughs> or it, or just that it won't fall apart for three months. I don't. <laughs> well, Probably that one because the because uh, I bought my sleepaway camps. I got the I got two and three, and both of them came with I believe the posters and the slipcovers. But my copy mm-hmm. of the first one I got much later, and it doesn't have the slipcover. And I don't think it has a poster. Oh, okay. Uh, the newly commissioned front-facing artwork uh, you see pictured comes... Um, you can't see no. it here, but there is a picture. Go look for it. Um, it comes from um, Nathaniel Marsh, who also did Carrie, Carrie and the John Carpenter Steelbooks. Uh, the reverse side of the wrap will showcase the original theatrical poster art design. Bonus features and specs are still in progress and will be announced sometime in September, but they can confirm today that this will be a two-disc set and will sport new extras, including interviews with Ty Burrell, James Gunn, Jake Weber, David Anderson, and Heather Langenkamp. Anderson. Uh, plus the theatrical and unrated version of the film. Official... Sh- uh, bleh. Official street date is October 24th. Uh, however, if you pre-order now directly from shoutfactory.com, you'll get uh, it two weeks earlier. Plus, you'll receive a free 18 by 24 rolled poster of the newly designed key art. While supplies last. <laughs> so, we got that. Anybody else excited about this? I'm looking forward to the uh, the remake of Dawn. I'm not super into land. Or at least not enough to spend the money for a Scream Factory uh, copy of it right away. But that's about where I land on it. I've, and I've been buying a lot of stuff lately. Uh, like I got, uh, they, you know, announced that Blu-ray of Poughkeepsie tapes. Uh, so jumped on that one. And then oh, they, man, I need to get that. I forgot. Uh, 
then Arrow announced their 4K steelbook of the thing. Oh, yeah. And, and so I had to get that, too. And, they, uh... They, oh, I think uh, I think Arrow just announced JD's Revenge was coming to Blu-ray? Yeah, I, they did. Yeah. For, and it's coming yeah. to Stateside, too. And I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. Really I know, I saw that, that and got excited. Yeah. So, yeah, I... Okay. It yeah. sucks to be poor. Dawn of the Dead is a a really, really good remake, mm-hmm. and I would love to see that on Blu-ray. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty. Um, next up, Blood Feast, the acclaimed remake, gets delayed, gets more screens, and gets saddled with an R rating. I love how even in this day and age, it's still referred to as being saddled with. Right. Um, because that's what the majority of horror fans our age, you know, are the ones that are the ones who we talk to all the time. That's what we want. Right. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but, you know, whatever. We don't matter. They want to make things like, oh, what's that damn teenage movie that just came out? Um, Twilight. <laughs> No, that just came out, Grandpa. <laughs> um, it's like still in theaters right now. And I, oh, uh, Wish Upon, which was totally, I mean, it's basic. it's kind of like that Wishmaster. It has that Wishmaster vibe to it in a way. But um, the girl gets the magic box and she can make the wishes. And But there are consequences for the wishes that she makes. But this film was like, firmly aimed at 13 year old girl just yeah bam you know and uh which is fine i mean you know i guess they need their horror too but the difference is when i was growing up my horror was everybody else's horror i mean like when i was a 13 year old girl i didn't require special horror films i you know that were aimed at me i wanted them all so I guess and I'm right, and I'm right there with you, Jamie. When I was a 13 year old girl, I didn't want anything watered down. I wanted just what was out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, if my if my parents were seeing it, I was seeing it, and that kind of thing. I mean, it just it was like, oh, I need to I need to go find some teen horror. No, I don't. I don't even. That wasn't even a thing. Like, <laughs> I didn't want that. I guess. Well, we had things like when we were younger than that, um, like Monster Squad. Um, which now people are saying it's like, oh no, kids shouldn't watch Monster Squad. That's I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, seriously, that I is watched a that kids movie. As a movie. Kid. You know, people are saying Gremlins isn't a kids movie, and I'm like, what are you talking really? about? <laughs> What's wrong with you? That is, that's about as tame as I got when I was that age. You know, <laughs> so, um, my dad took me to see Alien in the theater when I was six. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> Had already traumatized me with Psycho by the time I was four or five, so. <laughs> That's just <Yeah>. good parenting. <laughs> right? Really. Well, it is. And I, good for you. I mean, because I know you've, you've heard my history a, a lot. Uh, I'm right there with you. You know, I mean, it was, that's, we cut our teeth on it. You know, we didn't, uh, we didn't require, I don't know, babysitting horror. I don't know. <laughs> I should come yeah. up with a term for it. <laughs> Babysitting okay, horror is what I called what I watched when I babysat because I didn't have cable. So, <laughs> yeah, right, I'm seeing, I like when it. I was a nanny, the little girl that I was a nanny for had this 
uncanny love of Jaws that her parents couldn't quite <laughs> understand where it came from. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But she loved Jaws. She, she was three. She loved Jaws. She loved Jurassic Park. Um, and um, it, it's, and I would ask her, I'm like, Sani, where are monsters? And she'd go, in your head, Mimi. I'm like, that's right. She didn't, I, she got it. You know, like she understood that when I'm watching on TV, it's just what I'm watching on TV, you know? And she understood that people are the true monsters <laughs> and that the real horrors <laughs> lived inside her. She figured that out later, you know? We all babysat. I babysat. I had to taint them with, you know, <laughs> I'm going to make you a jaded child by the time you're 10. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say she got the uh, she got the fact that humans are the real monsters because I was, after all, her nanny. So like, it didn't take her. <laughs> anyway, why are you showing anyway. me these movies? Anyway, what the hell am I talking about? Oh yeah, blood, blood feast. feast. Um, <laughs> blood yeah. feast, baby, blood feast. Well, you know what? We'll call that an editorial. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, maybe I should. We should do that. Uh, Shock till you drop. Stop doing that. Shock till you drop announced earlier that the official, long-awaited remake of Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast was to hit theaters across the United States and Canada this summer via Hanover House and Crimson Forest Entertainment Group on June 23rd. A nationwide theatrical release of the film that represented a substantial expansion of the film's previously planned limited opening of April 28th. On June 27th, Shock learned that the horror film has been moved again, this time to July 28th. The good news is that Blood Feast will now expand via Regal Entertainment to cover um, to over 500 U.S. markets on over 70, wow, 7,300 screens in the U.S. and via Cineplex Entertainment to over 160 locations in Canada. Wow, that, that is a very yeah. tiny number of screens for Canada, and Canada's huge. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> that sucks. Um, the bet, I mean, yeah, like, but they have a very tiny population <laughs> comparatively. <laughs> There's a lot of expanse out there. Oh, um, I I really feel like you're digging a hole for yourself on this one, <laughs> and I would like you to continue to talk about the Canadian population if you would. <laughs> anything bad about the population i'm saying compared to the land mass their population is small it's like one big wyoming (laughs) (laughs) or nebraska nobody lives there it's Um. (laughs) it's been days since we saw anybody else eh? (laughs) well they're all basically concentrated in in certain areas and then there's like a whole lot of nothing you know and serial killers in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well now you're the one that's going to get in trouble. So there. <laughs> I I just that's not. that doesn't matter what I said. Bo called you serial killers. The end. Not not all of them, just the ones outside the cities. <laughs> that's true. They're coming for you, dude. <laughs> It'll take them a while. <laughs> but there's a long there's a long a lot of land to cover, but they're coming for you. Right on their the you know, dog sleds. Whipping, whipping the huskies. Go south, eh? <laughs> we gotta kill the tubby Tennessean. <laughs> <laughs> My 
was oh, she? Oh. Um, the bad news. I was just saying they're going to show up on Larry the Cable Guy's front porch. Is it? Although, is he from Arkansas? Where the hell is he from? Is he from Tennessee? I yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. That was a my brain. <laughs> I don't know t- what in our time together has ever <laughs> led you to believe <laughs> that I knew Larry the Cable Guy's birthday or place of origin. <laughs> I love you so much. Oh, I grew man. up down south too, and I don't know either. So, what? <laughs> well, so did I, and I don't know either. But uh... right? he's allergic to shellfish, right, Bo? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, damn, because their his core demographic listens to Devour. <laughs> It's a, a lot of crossover because yeah. it's mostly prisoners. <laughs> Jared, help me out here. <laughs> I don't know. I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling. Um, okay, David's going to yell at me in a minute. Okay. Um, <laughs> the bad news is that to achieve this wide release, the super gory flick had to be modestly edited to get an MPAA approved R rating. Some markets are unable to screen an unrated film, said Hanover House CEO Eric Parkinson. The decision to seek the MPAA reading for Blood Feast was tailored after a similar development impact the Lionsgate release of Saw a few years back. Impact. I'm sorry, what? It was tailored after a similar development impacted the Lionsgate release of Saw a few years back. The film has been very modestly edited to conform to the film rating standard that should make it accessible to a larger audience. On the one hand, I felt bad that an already announced date was shifted again and again, says director Marcel Waltz. But in fact, it was the best that could happen to Blood Feast and horror fans in North America. Hanover and Crimson will promote the film's release through horror-related media and websites, as well as national cable TV ads and in-theater promotions. An October 31st home video release, presumably uncut and unrated, is anticipated with a subscription video on-demand window available for January. Well, that is a quick turnaround yeah. from, uh, from theater to Because this isn't a real movie. No, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I watched it's the a remake of a famously terrible film by someone you never heard of. Yeah, yeah. I watched the trailer and I was like, wow, this looks... This looks as bad as the Wizard of Gore remake was. The, the, so, this is a thing that I, I this is something that came to me earlier. Was I have a real problem well, with with remaking movies that don't need to be remade because what 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 purpose does remaking Blood Feast serve? Unless you were legitimately trying to make it good. Right, which I don't know how you make this stupid story. And, <laughs> and the, I, I think that's the the direction they're going with it from the trailer, but it doesn't look good. It just looks dumb because it's like it's still fucking blood feast, and this doesn't look like it's like none of the. But actors... it's made by acclaimed d- German director Marcel Waltz, a Waltz probably if he's German. 
what uh what and has, features an has impressive cast i don't know i'm reading the article i don't I, i've never heard of the guy but i'm reading the article <laughs> That's All right. just, they call we're, him acclaimed acclaimed german director we're god damn it we're getting at the bottom of this hang on it has an appearance by the 90 year old herschel gordon lewis filmed shortly before his death well at least they filmed it before his death that's a good thing yeah other cast members include but, okay. robert russell i'm gonna, I'm gonna put carolyn a, williams gonna interrupt just for a second here I think if they had shot um, Lewis after he'd been dead, I feel like he would have been okay with that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Oh, he would have been okay with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Okay, carry on. He would have been but it's just, you know, they would have had like all these, all these, uh, there's all these like health codes and stuff they'd well, have to, sure. I mean, it would just, it would have been a pain in the neck. It would have been, but I mean, like that's that's one of those things where it's like, I feel like he, if he, yeah, that would totally be a thing that like he would have approved of, and people would have been like, "Hey, we got Herschel Gordon Lewis' corpse in this movie." Like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, yeah. It's the kind of awful promote. It's the awful. It's the exact kind of awful shit that he would have probably been all about. So, oh, for sure. Oh, all right. This is the wait. This is the best last sentence ever. Oh, but unlike the original film, this incarnation, Blood Feast is no mere camp splatter opus. Rather, it's a richly detailed and operatic bit of Euro horror with some great performances driving it. That is some bullshit, because I watched yep. that trailer. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer to the is Waltz. real bad. Okay. Uh, so acclaimed... Okay, so go ahead, Bo. Acclaimed director Marcel Waltz. You may recall from such uh, films as Camp Corpses or Cadaver or <laughs> Schlaraffenhaus or La Petite Mort or Seed 2. There, there is nothing acclaimed about this gentleman. No. Um, the cast is uh, probably headlined by Sadie Katz, who was in Wrong Turn 6. Um, so... Uh, well, it also mentioned Caroline Williams, uh, and she's from Texas Chainsaw yeah, 2. Robert Ressler. And uh, Robert Ressler from Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Oh, I guess they like they like sequel people. That's why. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's, play, he's playing fucking Fuad Ramses. Oh, and right. what's that one chick? Oh, yeah, Sophie Monk. That goddamn Robert Russler for Ramses, which I don't know. I don't know if that's better or worse casting than the original. I mean, I think it's worse because he doesn't have the eyebrows. But it, yeah. you, like you're comparing it as if much of these decisions are lateral ones <laughs> between remake and and original, and them talking this up like, oh, well, it's going to be in theaters, and you're like, why? Yeah. You should just quietly slip this out on home video and let's all go about our business. Right. If this had popped up on Netflix, I'd totally watch it. Just because fucking they remade Blood Feast? All right. And I pro- I'll probably You know what? I'm gonna go <clears throat> I'm gonna go see it because I well, I like to see just about any horror film in the theater, but I kind of I like the idea of Okay, here's what it really boils down to. I'll feel really bad if no one goes to see this movie 
And I I just, I feel bad about those things. So I have to help. And (laughs) Ryan's like, your $6 is not helping them that much. I'm like, but it's $6 they wouldn't have had. I feel... <laughs> so I guarantee you I will go to see it just because if I don't, I'll feel bad about it. <laughs> I'll watch it, but there, I'm not paying to see this. Nope. Yeah. And I, I will not be sober. Nope. No. <laughs> and I mean, and I mean, this comes done from... Done. I mean, I, li- I, I personally love the original Blood Feast. I think it's fucking hysterical. Me too. And so, like, this just looks like they're, yeah, why, why? I, I feel the same way about this as I do about the American Guinea Pig movies or any of these other fucking dumb remakes that they've done. They're like, oh, let's take this movie that wasn't really good in the first place and remake it. Like, why? Why? Don't stop it. Oh, that reminds me. We also watched Sandman. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Um. I'd never seen it. Somehow I ended up not seeing it, but we watched that. The, uh, the found footage movie? The guinea pig thing kind of reminded me of the August Underground thing. Kind of reminded me of that because, you know, oh, he yeah, was yeah. in that. <clears throat> but, um... That was not say. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel... I kind of like the fact that HGL himself is in it. So it... You know, it... it he, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Lewis fan. So, like, he clearly was on board with this because he took part in it, and I think that's kind of cool. So, I don't know. I'll give it a shot. I think we're all giving Herschel Gordon-Lewis a lot more credit than he deserves. Uh, <laughs> well, I, mean... I, don't think, I don't think he was, like, any fantastic auteur or anything, and he will he would have been the first one, and he was the first one to tell you, look... Making movies is a business, pure and simple. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about it. He, he said he did not give a fuck about the art of it. He was, uh, he made gore movies because gore movies made money, and that is all there was to it. Yeah. But I don't care. I enjoyed those gore movies. Like yeah. I, I like his style, and I, I don't know. There, it was fun, and it was a, it was a. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of feel so, the same way about him as I do Lloyd Kaufman, like. They both make shitty movies, but they're shitty movies that I enjoy, and so I respect them for making shitty movies that are good, that are kind of entertaining. Yeah, I used to entertain me. His in newer recent stuff years, is not so good. I'm not, I, apparently, nah. the new Nukem High is really good, though. But I'm a little I'm concerned because uh, Poultry Guys was real bad. Yeah, I uh, that Citizen one Toxie kinda... was the last good. Kaufman movie that I saw. Poultry Guys broke me. Yeah, that movie was so fucking bad. It just it it made me. I haven't really been able to watch anything trauma since then, even if I'd seen it before. Damn. <laughs> just like oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. That movie's so bad. Yeah. And a lot of people really liked it. I don't even. I can't. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't know. Like it wasn't even fun. Bad. It was just bad yeah anyway i have one more story Mm -hmm. and um then after that there's a special treat for you guys (laughs) is it cupcakes no it's david um (laughs) before that um (laughs) yeah no duncan's not here 
<laughs> oh man, one of these days he's got to send me some of those cupcakes. Yeah, I know, right? They look amazing. Duncan, I know you're listening. Fucking send us some cupcakes. Yeah, throw that shit on some dry ice. Let's get this done. Son of a bitch. Yeah, right. Uh, Duncan. Just put bows in like a bubble wrap envelope. This, and, see, Duncan, <laughs> this is why <laughs> like <laughs> you haven't be been fun. on the show in years. This is why he doesn't bribe us with baked goods. Yeah, he doesn't send us baked goods. So then he, no. see, that's why. That's why he got thirty-one. Uh, oh yeah, punishment. Yeah, Vanessa sends me baked goods. All right, um, I, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but I didn't I'll, bake uh... them. I didn't bake them myself. That doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. As long as you're a, a conduit to cupcakes. That's all anyone cares about around here. These are my friends, like award-winning cookies, and he has like a cookie business and everything. You're, you're more it, of a cupcake mule. Yeah. Well, yep. I was the yeah, cookie mule in this case. They're all good. <laughs> so, are you saying he's a cl- an acclaimed baker? Is <laughs> much like acclaimed German director Marcel. <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right, here we go. Um, Arl Stein's Fear Street to become a film series at 20th Century Fox. Uh, Stein's popular Fear Street series of books is set to become a film series at 20th Century Fox, according to THR. Lee Yaniak of Honeymoon is on board to rewrite and direct Fear Street, though the site reports that she's on board for three scripts and that those films will be shot back to back to back. And released three months in a row. This is being called Binging Movies. 20th Century Fox has yet to comment on the report. Sheridan Entertainment, uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, is on board to produce. Yaniak is reportedly overseeing a writer's room to coordinate the stories, which will take place in different time periods. Oh, man, that just reminded me of those emails to uh, AMC from... (laughs) Thereby. Darabont, yeah, when he's like, and what is this fucking writer's room that you're... There's no goddamn writer's room. It's just me. Oh, man, I love that shit. Darabont, Uh, so good. I'm going to fake my death and change my name. (laughs) That was so good. Oh, my God. There's nothing Uh, better than a letter from a really good writer when he's pissed off. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. They were phenomenal. Like I just, oh man, they were the I would have best loved... fucking angry emails ever. Yes, and I read and angry he's emails. Raging mad. <laughs> That's a thing. It's part of a thing. It's part of my job. <laughs> I'm a professional email reader, <laughs> basically. Um. Anyway, writer's room to coordinate the stories. Okay, which will take place in different time periods. Kyle Killen wrote the first, Zach Olkovics wrote the second, and Silka Luisa is writing the third. Yaniak and her partner, Phil Graziati, will work on the first one. The Fear Street series is a horror series for teenage readers that Stein began in 1989. He wrote Ghost of Fear Street, beginning in 1995, for younger younger readers, and stopped after doing the Fear Street series spinoffs in 1999. See, again, with the how can you get younger than Fear Street? Like, I don't <laughs> To me, R.L. Stein, like anything he did was really young. And 
He's like, and here are the baby baby ones. <laughs> well, I think I think Ghost of Fear Street was supposed to be like the bridge between Goosebumps and Fear Street. Like for the for the kids who maybe weren't quite ready to me, to Goosebumps to... and Fear Street were like the same. No, they were I mean different. the same the same level is what well, I mean. Well, when I was reading them, there was they were distinct they were distinctly different enough. Um I mean obviously his writing styles isn't that wasn't that that much of a change, but it was definitely like the Goosebumps books were more had a very a very certain structure. Um and the Fear Street ones were a little bit had a, had their own kind of tropes in them, but were a little bit more felt a little bit more adult, I guess. Maybe it was because of my age at the time. Right. To me, they they all feel they all felt the same. Okay, you know, like I mean, yeah. Um, and I say all. I didn't read them all. I did try them though. Um, came back into the series with, in two thousand five with the three part Fear Street Nights miniseries. He revived the series again in twenty fourteen. The books are nineteen eighties. Mm-mm. What? The books are set in the fictional town of Shadyside, Ohio, and take place in the 1980s and 1990s. Some characters occasionally crossed over between books. There are 52 books in the main series alone. R.L. Stein is also known for his Goosebu- Goosebumps series of books, which became a film in 2015 starring Jack Black. The first three books in the Fear Street series are The New Girl, The Surprise Party, and The Overnight, though there is no word on which ones... The three scripts will be based. And that's that. Actually, Are you excited about these? You I were am clearly excited a reader. for this. Um, I, I actually like the idea of doing like three Fear Street movies all at once. Because you're, that way you can set up. They can, they're already establishing the name as um, an anthology. Or... They can they can do an anthology that way because they're saying if they're taking place in different time periods, then you're just going here's a Fear Street movie, and it's gonna be set in this place, and we can do whatever the fuck we want with it in any time period and do any of these stories we want, which is great. And there you go, you can just run with that shit, and you don't have to be slaves to oh you know, I mean there there were some of those books that had sequels, I think like Cheerleader Squad, Cheerleader Camp, whatever the fuck it was called. There were like three of those, three or four of those. Um, there was a Christmas one that there were like three of. So, like, there were definitely like books with sequels, but, you know, if they're just going to do like setting it up as kind of a, establishing it this way as an anthology, I think will work really well for this. Um, and hopefully it's good. I mean, Goosebump, the Goosebumps movie was fun. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, I've never read any of them ever. Well, Me neither. Because you're old people. Yeah, probably. You know, what are you gonna do, man? <laughs> Time's a flat circle. No, the only time I ever read any is if it was an excerpt that I was reading a kid I was babysitting. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I can't, which didn't happen often. Yeah, but. I can't really recommend any of them necessarily because I haven't read any of them in years so I can't even be like oh yeah this one was kind of good because I don't remember but I don't know maybe I'll pull one of those out for uh, VD clinic at some point oh god <laughs> <laughs> no. no I'm kidding <laughs> uh, 
I, I already said I wouldn't pull out the second uh, Five Nights at Freddy's book. Thank you. Which I haven't read yet either. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the uh, the little special bit uh, here at the end, we have uh, the the Nightbreed Cabal cut is coming to Blu-ray officially. Um, don't believe I've not seen any release date for it yet, but it's uh. Basically, the version that was going around um, for the conventions, and it's been cleaned up uh, pretty much as best as they could do uh, with the VHS uh, tapes, and it's, I think, a, uh, a longer cut than the director's cut, um, and it's got stuff that's not in the director's cut as well. So and I, it's supposed to come with like an enamel uh, decker pin, and yeah, I don't. I think it's going to be limited but i again i have not seen anything regarding like quantities or release date so but i'm looking forward to that yeah that that's really exciting i can't wait to see that myself yep it, it you know i uh i like i like meridian i like the people of meridian i feel like they're my people <laughs> <laughs> and it's if idiot. i could whatever um <laughs> Meridian is my knockoff Walmart version of Midian. That's in Mississippi. Yeah, it's... No, there yeah. is a Meridian, Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there certainly is. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really cool. And I, my understanding is some of the, the um, missing uh, footage involves Cronenberg in his crazy mask get up. And I am always good for more of that. Yeah. So... Maybe Larry the Cable Guy's from Mississippi. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. All right. That's it for the news, guys. We'll be right back with Ask DTP. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and David as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on iTunes, and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VDClinicPod or email them at VDClinicPod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. And still, they just might be contagious. Get information or a pamphlet at most pharmacies or a health clinic. If you need help, see a doctor. And it's time for SDTP. So, first up, we actually got a question on uh, Twitter, and it's from at Chiller Pop. He asked, uh, who should be cast as Abbott and Costello in the Dark Universe series of films? James Franco and Jonah Hill. Oh. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah. I can kind of see that. I don't know about James I think James Seth Rogen would be better than Jonah Hill, though. Ooh. Yeah. I could see, yeah, I could see Franco and, uh, and, um, what's his face? Nathan Lane. <laughs> And yeah. David Niven. 
See that? Yes, I would go with that. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer and somebody I don't know. Well, because he could do that cool "Oh, good lord" thing when he <laughs> <laughs> just fall over things and "Oh, good lord." Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, all right. I, I I could. I would not be opposed if those movies had enough goofiness to them to allow for an Abbott and Costello movie. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, it, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Nope. 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 Okay. Uh. Glenn Brewer asks, and this is a very late question. Uh, any horror recommendations for the Fourth of July? Too late. Well, yeah, first get a time machine. Yeah. Uh, well, for uh, next so, year. Time crimes. <laughs> um, Jaws. Yeah, I, I was, was going to say watch Jaws Fourth of July. That's so. a given that you're going to watch Jaws on Fourth of July, or at least some shark yeah. movie. Yeah, that's actually with that's when we watched um, the reef as well. Oh, and and then we watched um, the only Deep reason Blue I went sea. to see the shallows last year. <laughs> and I like the shallows. I like, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, has anyone seen Forty Seven Meters Down? I have not yet. Nope. No. Uh, I did see uh, <laughs> the the shallows though. All right. I would. There's I would Uncle disagree Sam. with your characterization. But uh, there's Uncle Sam, but I would not recommend. I would not recommend that to. No, 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 no. I, you know, weirdly, I for some reason I associate the Fourth of July with the Kaufman body snatchers, hmm. which I don't think is appropriate. Interesting. But I, I, I don't know why. I, uh, but I, around this time of year, I always get the urge to watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers and. So yeah, watch that. It's terrifying. Still. Well, it does play on a certain level of patriotism. I mean, as far as what the original story was, you know, working at. True, true, and yeah, maybe that's it. I'll, let's go with that. That sounds smart. It's Thanks, it's, it's not <laughs> it's not overt, but it's there. All right, I'm on board. That's my answer. Right. What sure. what she said. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really watch anything specifically Dead on the Fourth White of July. White and Blue, which uh, is not a movie, but I think should be. That's <laughs> just a really awesome title. So someone out there should make a Fourth of July theme film called Dead White and Blue. All right. Bam. Uh, Andrew. And for Huff. those of you wondering out there, Larry the Cable Guy was actually from Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> which confirmed during like, the break. Confirmed during like the break. I, yeah, I, I feel like I knew that now. It was breaking news. I, I felt like it was sort of a sham, you know? <laughs> because Hot no one Larry the Cable Guy news. <laughs> Dropping here on Devour the Podcast. You know, okay, yep. you know for a fact there's someone out there who has been yelling it out the whole time. Like, who's been going, God damn it, he's from Nebraska. I mean, that's just a given. So. I want to let the put them at ease and let them know we did in fact figure it out. You can stop yelling now. Oh, thank God! Yeah. Okay, you, Jamie, you saved lives just then. <laughs> yeah, you did. I do that on a daily basis. What Doing the Lord's about? work. <laughs> All right, Andrew Huff asks, uh, "What was your most memorable Halloween costume?" Hey, Andrew, he's got a wedding coming up. Congratulations! <laughs> oh yeah, he does. Congrats, um, I think. Oh, I actually. What did you say? Halloween costume. Yes, Halloween costume. Did I play with Andrew? I think 
I might have played with Andrew on Friday the 13th. I oh, played with what? somebody. I don't remember who it was, but it was a listener. I, I love him. And uh, so congratulations, Andrew, on the upcoming nuptials. Um, favorite Halloween costume. When I was in middle school, I made, uh, I was in this whole thing where I would make, for like three years straight, I made my costumes and I made them all out of poster board. So like one year I was a dollar bill and I took two poster boards and stuck them together to make the length right. And then I drew on like very meticulously a dollar bill and then made a back to it. And I wore that. Then another year I was a hunk of cheese that I made out of poster <laughs> board. But my absolute favorite one was there was a gone with the wind commemorative stamp that was out <laughs> at the time. And I was, I know <laughs> it's, it's random. I was, a, and um, I've always loved gone with the wind. Like I, I just, I love the, the, the film like just how it was made out that was beautiful so i had this stamp and i did a recreation where i painted the stamp onto a poster board and then i turned that into a halloween costume now the the downside to that costume was that in order to make it as accurate as possible to a real life stamp i used my grandmother's pinking shears to cut the edges so that it would look like you know like uh, when uh, the, yes yes that's a mistake yeah. because when you cut poster board with pinking shears, Ow. it basically turns it into a saw blade that then rubs across your thighs. Because the way I was wearing it was like a like a sandwich. Well, not it was like a box. I was wearing it. It was like a box. And every time I moved, it sliced across the top of my thighs uh, when I would walk. So by the end of the night, I had these <laughs> these like horizontal slits in the tops of my thighs from just walking around in that. So don't ever do that. I can't imagine anyone ever would. Um, <laughs> I'm saving no one with this. <laughs> but if you ever considered it, bad idea. The, the, the costume itself was fantastic. I loved it. I have pictures of it still somewhere. But yeah, don't don't hurt yourself. <laughs> This is like the most southern episode ever. <laughs> no, this episode comes with a heap and help of cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how many of us still live down there? <laughs> Just well. I do. Yep. It's delicious here. Are you kidding? <laughs> Got one amazing barbecue place right across the street from me. I could be in the deep and smoke turkey in five minutes. Oh, I know. <laughs> All right, Bo, your costume. Uh, I got uh, the, uh, this was probably like seven or eight, something like that. And th this is kind of cheap, but uh, it was uh, a werewolf. And I like had the werewolf mask and even the rubbery hands. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I was a hairy child, <laughs> that's all I needed, really. Just wander in the neighborhood <laughs> as uh, a very hairy young man with a snout. <laughs> That's amazing. I racked up that year. It was convincing. <laughs> what about you, Vanessa? Um, well, as a child, I had a pretty kick-ass Wonder Woman costume when I was a couple years in a row, but you know, I it was the seventies. So I had the awesome white knee socks with it. Um, 
Yeah, that was that was fun. But a few years ago, I did a Frida Kahlo costume. Yeah, pretty nice. much nailed. Pretty much nailed it. Um, I had like, of course, I made the unibrow, but and it really did actually look pretty damn realistic. Um, and then I have some stuffed monkeys that I carried with me. I was going Perfect. to ask about the unibrow. That's very cool. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did some makeup tricks and it looked like I completely had a unibrow. <laughs> That's cool. Nice. Yeah. One um, year at work, I was a piece of gum under a table. And that, <laughs> that was, that was a fun costume because I, I wore all pink and then I had made a little, I made a little table with, I took a pizza box and cut some fabric and made a tablecloth. I made the legs out of some brown spray painted paper towel tubes. And then I glued a little toy tea set to the top of the table. And then I strapped that to my, the whole table thing to my head. So I was a piece of gum under a table. <laughs> that was great. Wow. I was a sim one year. Uh, that was when I was heavily <laughs> into playing sims. And so I was a sim with a little di green diamond above my head. Um, Man, that was some fun costumes. But <laughs> your your werewolf thing, uh, Bo, reminded me of my very first store-bought costume. I was in the first grade, and you remember back when and we... you were quite hairy as well, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, you remember back those cool... I forget the name of them. There actually is a name for them. But the those costumes that would come in the box with the cellophane, the clear cellophane top, and... Um, They'd have the, you know, the mask where you can't breathe and then the elastic would snap and then the you'd have the vinyl costume part that would split in the legs yeah, by the time yeah, you yeah. get home. And, um, you could either get them in the box or you could get them hanging on that wooden hanger thing. Um, and uh, when I was in the first grade, there was a werewolf costume that I just, I coveted. Like, I, I... That was when I first had had fallen in love with werewolves, and I wanted, I was begging my mom for it, so she let me. She's like, okay, okay. So I was a werewolf. My stepbrother that year was Frankenstein's monster, and I remember we were out trick-or-treating, and we ran into this really tall guy who was also dressed as Frankenstein's monster, but his was like a really elaborate costume, um, like a very cool one, whereas my stepbrother's was like one of those, like mine, and... Um, he tried to snatch my candy and I was like Frankenstein's monster tried to steal my candy. And then my stepbrother like stepped up and was like, that he got it back for me and took care of business. But it, <laughs> that was a very special Halloween. <laughs> yeah. You got to see a Frankenstein fight. <laughs> I did. And how often do you get to see that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Every time I close my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, man. I could talk about Halloween for every day, but what yes. do you, what do you, um, probably my Cenobite costume from about five, six years ago. I oh, was hoping to okay. say that because I, that was a, that was a very cool costume. I would, oh shit. That actually would have been about nine years ago now. I think that was 28, 2008 maybe? No, I don't remember. It was, it was very long time ago. Uh, but yeah, that was really good. Um, that was really good. And then, uh, my, the year I was, um, the year I did a goth school girl was pretty good. Cause that was funny <laughs> as fuck. 
It's kind of like I did a Bride of Frankenstein at one point when I was in high school in the late 80s. And because I didn't use enough hairspray, I ended up looking like Robert Smith of The Cure. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Also an appropriate uh, Halloween choice. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Mark Harrison asks, uh, Bo, I own a film that you wrote. I was wondering if you have any advice for screenwriters. Um, yeah, I, I guess, um, <laughs> don't No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things like you, you either know if you're into screenwriting or not. Yeah. yeah. And if you are, then just do it. Oh, you know, yeah. like read, read screenplays from movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're surprisingly available. Oh, yeah. So find movies you like and read those screenplays and see how those people wrote the movies you like and, mm-hmm then copy that um and once you've learned those fundamentals you'll kind of find your own voice and what makes your take unique from just the people you like and you know just like fiction any any artistic endeavor really it's uh you know you can't find your own voice until you you know the tune yeah um so yeah do that Okay. One interesting thing about Bo's screenwriting style that I've always found interesting is if you pick a screenplay off uh, from any film and just and read it, it tends to be very dry and um, and like there's a lot of uh, I don't know just it's some screenplays are really just a chore mm. to read. Bo's have always been had a very strong narrative style mm-hmm. to them and um, they're very um active like yeah and i i've always enjoyed reading both screenplays for that yeah f- for that reason it's um it's i feel like it's more immersive mm-hmm. and you can kind of picture things a lot better yeah but um it, yeah it's... have you run into have you run into issues because of your writing style or do people tend to on the professional side of things, do people tend to like that or do they have issue with that? I've, I've never gotten any complaints. I mean, uh, you know, I like it. you always have to keep something like the first draft is always going to be real expository. And there are some not hard and fast rules, but rules of thumb um, about how long you want to keep an expository paragraph and things like that. So, okay. You want to keep you want to keep things snappy and keep them moving. I think. Yeah. But no, I'm no no one's ever been like you're fucking this up. Stop that. <laughs> well, no, that's no one, good no because one likes I that. I thoroughly enjoy that you write them the way you do. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, you 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 want to communicate tone, I think, and I and that to your credit, um, having worked with you on a screenplay. Um, having having that you have you have a very clear sense of tone f- from the get go, and for me that was very very helpful in getting me focused on how to get things going so that the whole thing worked as well as it did. Um, because I'd never I had no idea if we were actually gonna be able to pull off a collaborative script because I was like I don't fucking know, but yeah, so good on you. Yeah, that no, and that was fun, and yeah. I, I I liked uh, I liked doing that script in yeah. particular, and uh, yeah, it's it you know like when it when you're having a good time with it, it's it's it can be incredibly rewarding, but yeah. don't just don't 
kid yourself like I'm going to become a screenwriter yeah. and I'm going to be wildly successful. Yeah. Don't and... don't be too precious about the uh about the work. Yeah, that's the that's, other that's, big thing. Yeah. And we'll we'll there's a we'll get into that later but um Okay. All right. Um so we have several questions from John Rhodes. Um one of which uh, one of which is about the Dark Universe, which we discussed last episode, so we're not covering that again, John. Um, uh, yes, what is the most advisable film of the year for you so far? And I, I um, ooh. I mean, Get Out is yeah. That that's the movie I would tell anyone. Hey, if you haven't seen that, you absolutely must watch Get Out. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I agree, absolutely. So far. Um, but uh, Devil's Candy for me. Mm, I haven't seen that one yet. And uh, there's another one too. Oh, um, Split. Oh yeah, I did want to see that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think I don't know. I, I I really did enjoy capture kill release. I think that's a that's a conversation to have at the end of the year. Hmm, okay. Yeah, definitely. I, had a, I, had I also to think it uh, stains the sand red might actually end up making my list toward the end. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go through and like that see was what's thoroughly enjoyable. <clears throat> All right. Um. John also asks, uh, "What was one of your first cherished horror films?" Uh, Alien was definitely mine. That was the one that I begged my parents to see to the point that they were like, "You are clearly underage to see this movie, but because you won't shut the fuck up about it, <laughs> we're going to take you to it." And yeah, so that's that's fixed in my memory as as one of the most important horror movies I ever saw. Right. Uh, man, there's so many for me. Jaws, of course, is a given. Salem's Lot is a given. Uh, that movie, uh, as everyone knows, am I to ad nauseum. Uh, it, has, uh, it affected me on a very deep level as a kid. But um, beyond that, I, I would say The Howling. That, that was a... That, uh, together with American Werewolf in London, but more so The Howling. Mm were very important to me and very formative. Okay. Vanessa? Um, well, I would say Psycho. Um, my father, I guess, showed it to me. I was four or five years old. Mm-hmm. It completely scarred me. Uh, still, as an adult, I can't take showers without facing the door because of that movie. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> But um, by the time I was like 12, I was completely obsessed with that movie. I had the post movie poster on my bedroom wall. You know, that's, yeah, psycho easily for me. Um, oh. hmm. Honestly, I, I think it's probably, it would probably be like the old Godzilla movies that I saw as a kid. Because that was really, those were... <clears throat> Uh, sort of my way of being able to watch being able to watch monster movies but having them not really be scary because like I couldn't really watch the Universal Monster stuff yet at that point because I was like I could but they just scared the shit out of me Um, but like Godzilla was just you know it was a safe way for me to watch monsters besides Monster Squad oh sure so probably the Godzilla movies would be the kind of early one for me (laughs) 
All right. So, John Rhodes, final does question. Does John Rhodes, yeah, does he actually listen to the answers to these questions or I, does he just nope. fire them out? I don't know. Um, Probably not. I'm going to say, John Rhodes, if you're actually listening to this, just I just want to know for my own benefit. <laughs> send me the word, the words, dill pickles. <laughs> I that's, it, that's a code word. <laughs> I got that. Y'all hear dill that? pickles. We're using code words. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we, we got to bring this up on the next episode then make sure he actually <laughs> listened alright uh, so John Rhodes final question is uh, where's my waxwork remake damn it oh that's so funny yeah um, uh, <laughs> yeah I mean we both just <laughs> Bo and I both kind of just adjust our ties mm. yeah I, well it's I mean there's nothing sinister about it no, or anything no. it's just like yeah, I mean, there is a script for it. It yeah. has been in the hands of people that can do something with it. Yeah. Um, for... Nobody seems... Like four years now? Yeah. Nobody on the right end of things seems to be particularly interested in, in making uh, a waxwork anything right now. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, and know. there was there have been fits and spurts here and there where it seemed like maybe... Sure. There was talks of things possibly popping up, but uh, yeah, it's been pretty quiet. And going back to um, when we were discussing screenplays earlier, um, I said don't get too precious about the work. Um, Because for me, that was really tough for me because I was super proud of that script. And probably the first year or so while we were waiting and kind of waiting and waiting and waiting... It was super frustrating because I was like, "What the fuck? Like we had we did a great job. What what's going on? Why why doesn't everybody understand how great this is?" <laughs> right. And right. then you know, as time has gone by, I I kind of forgot that I even wrote it. And then I think I'm like, "Oh yeah, I wrote that fucking screenplay, huh?" Yeah. And like I'll, I'll go back occasionally. I'll, I'll I've reread it a couple times over the years. I'm still like, "Wow, this is good." Like there's there's bits and pieces I spot now. I'm like, "Oh, okay, that could have been fixed." You know, or oh, I would have changed that this now, changed it this way now. But you know, otherwise, I, I go back and read it. And I'm like, this is still good. Like, I'm happy with what we did. This kind of disappointed. It's not anything but what it is. But it's a cool fucking movie in my head. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm the same way. And and like, I've got a drawer full of them. Mm-hmm. Not really. It's all on the computer. No, but yeah, um, that. uh. Yeah, I mean, there. It, it, it's like anything, man. I mean, it, it, like when, when you're kind of working in the arts of any any stripe, mm-hmm. um, th- there is certainly a degree of talent, but there is also a a whole lot of just luck and circumstance and yeah. whatever you want to call it of like, hey, here's this thing that's really exciting to me. Now, how can I get about 75 other people equally excited right. to the point that they want to invest millions of dollars in, in it? Yeah. And and that's why it's hard to get original stuff made, you know, as a rule these days, mm-hmm. because it movies cost a lot of fucking money. And, you know, those companies aren't in the business of making stuff that's risky. Right. Uh, so... Um, I don't know. I don't know. I like I, one thing I've, I've been curious about is how uh, those waxwork Blu-ray numbers were. Oh, I, yeah. I wonder if that factored into it. If maybe 
that undersold or didn't sell, uh, you know, to a certain level or whatever. But I could see them using that as a barometer of yeah. how many how many people want to see this. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, you know, it's a weird, weird business more so than just about any other business. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I don't know, w- w- wish I could point to, uh, any single thing that would, that would make that happen. It mm-hmm. would be wonderful. I, d- I do think that there's a lot of good stuff in that script. Yeah. Maybe you should see if you can attract the interest of acclaimed German director, Marcel <laughs> Waltz. I don't know. Uh, it seems pretty busy yeah. these days with, uh, the blood feast. Yeah. I kind of wish we could just like send, like put it out there so people could read it, you know, but that's obviously not a thing we could do particularly. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we, this may be, a, okay. This we, may be a conversation. we couldn't call it waxwork, right? But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is at, a conversation point, we'll have off the air, but, uh, stay tuned folks. Maybe that, that might be a thing. Yeah. We, we might be able to work that out somehow. Yeah. I think that's a, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that off the air. Okay, that's it for SDTP. Uh, thank you guys for the questions. John Rhodes, you better listen to this fucking episode so you get your answers, you son of a bitch. Dill, Dill pickles. pickles. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with Ganja and Hess. Universal Pictures is proud to present the motion picture directing debut of one of America's most talented and respected artists. Cut! Cut, 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 cut! Oh, hello, kitties. So glad you could join me. Your pal, the Crypt Keeper, has gone Hollywood in a big way. I'm directing my first feature film. Care for a little shriek preview? <laughs> For my big scream premiere, I wanted lots of suspense. Uh-oh. Special effects. <laughs> sex. Yeah. Violence. The kind of thing you could really sink your teeth into. Hi! Frights! Camera! Action! It's about a chase through the ages. A race against time. The war between good and evil. Come on out, everybody! It's time to play! And the final battle between man... I'm sorry. ...and demon. I'm not gonna hurt you. I lied. It stars Billy Zane from Dead Calm, William Sadler from Die Hard 2, and Jada Pinkett from Menace to Society. Ooh, I love those titles. And you'll love Demon Knight. They're here! The demons are here! And ladies, if you think Demon Knight is too gross and yucky... Thank you! (laughs) And now, our feature presentation.
strange dream last night. I dreamed you murdered me. that can be comfortably condemned are the perversions of others. I will persist and survive without God's or society's sanction. I will not be tortured. I will not be punished. I will not be guilty. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for thee, preserve thy body and soul for everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for thee. And be thankful. Ganja and Hess. This was released in 1973, and the synopsis is, after being stabbed with an ancient germ-infested knife, a doctor's assistant finds himself with an insatiable desire for blood. This was uh, written and directed by Bill Gunn, stars Dwayne Jones as Dr. Hess Green, Marlene Clark as Ganja Mehta, uh, Bill Gunn as George Mehta, uh, Sam, Sam Wayman as Reverend Luther Williams, uh, Leonard Jackson as Archie, and Maybell King as the Queen of Mithra. Or Mithria, Mithria. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, when I saw her, and because I was what when I was watching this, instantly I got Shutter just so I could watch this movie. Is it on Shutter? And yeah, and yeah. Um, son of a bitch. I, you know what? I'm I'm liking that. Because um, I got they've got I, a lot of pretty cool stuff on I there. I tried Shutter and I couldn't. It didn't pop up when I searched for it, so I had to get it on Amazon. And then I canceled my Shutter because I'm like, I'm not actually using this. Um. But then when I was watching it, I was just like, la, 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 watching it. It was really early in the morning when I was watching it. And mm-hmm. I saw her, like, you know, she was coming across the field or whatever. And I was, I was, I sat up and I was like, is that her? And I actually had to look it up on IMDb to make sure it was actually her. But, um, I, and by her, I mean, Mabel, the mother from What's Happening. Is, oh, okay. <laughs> that's how yeah. I, that's how I knew her before this. And so I was like, is that her? And, um. Yeah, it was. Uh, so I thought, thought that was kind of a neat thing. That's the only other thing I've ever seen her in was uh, that I can recall was what's happening. Hmm. All right. <laughs> that was just an aside. No, yeah. <laughs> so this movie's real fucking weird and not what I expected. Yeah, David texted me after he finished watching it and said, what the fuck did you make me watch? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I've gotten that same reaction from uh, other people who've watched it with me or on my recommendation. Yeah. Just because it's not what people expect. Yeah, no, it's not. I, I didn't. I completely expected like, I don't, I don't know what I expected. I, I guess I was expecting more of a traditional like 70s black exploitation horror movie. 
and this is more of an art house movie and it's very very odd but it's good though it actually was interesting it's just super fucking weird yeah i didn't uh i didn't really know anything uh, about it plot wise before going into this and i was kind of expecting and i think maybe it's because i had just watched um <sighs> what is that sugar sugar Sugar, Sugar Hill. Hill. Oh. Yeah. And uh, so I was expecting kind of like a, a voodoo thing. Mm. For some, that was that was what was stuck in my head. And then uh, when it was when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, oh OK. I, I, I was really pleasantly surprised by it, though. Like, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I think this was Dwayne's only other starring role, wasn't yeah, it? Apart I so. from Night of the yeah. Living Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sad because he has such a fantastic presence. He does. He does. He's amazing. And um, he's a stage actor. He did more on, you know, on Mm. stage. I think that shows. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But Bill Gunn, who wrote, directed, and I mean, he plays Dr. Maida in this. He was also a stage actor. Yeah. That's very obvious. (laughs) With his. Be nice. Oh, God. It was just a weird story. The weird, like, I don't. Okay, that was the one thing that kind of bothered me about this movie was Maida and his wife both have scenes where they just tell these completely nonsensical stories to Doctor Hess and oh, I'm sorry, Doctor Green, and he's just like, yeah, okay, what the fuck was the point of that story? And I'm sitting there going, yes, exactly. What was the what was the point of that story? And then it just the movie carries on. I'm like, all right, cool. Huh? I didn't get that. I didn't feel that way about this film. I and I I don't recall any moment where I was like, "What was the point of that?" I I really I, except okay, maybe I might need some clarification on the sort of the vision or was it a vision? The end, the very very end, um, the coming out of the water, coming toward the house thing. I'm not. I wasn't sure if that was actually happening or oh, if that yeah. was a. Um, but. Yeah, that was. Than, I don't know. I thought this was something. It was very different. Yes. I I like the mythology behind it. Yes. Um. I, I liked the just the different cultural aspects of it. It just, I, I don't know. I I enjoyed it a lot. I also like the visuals. <laughs> this was this was a really, really fun movie. Not fun. I I won't say fun because it wasn't like blah. But it was uh. <laughs> It was a really enjoyable watch for me that totally took me by surprise because I was watching it at like eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kind of did uh, too. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like, what is what? What? Oh, what is happening here? And <laughs> it was super early in the morning on a Sunday morning. And it was just I wasn't uh, I didn't know what headspace to be in. Mm. And then like it defined that for me. And <laughs> I was like, oh, OK. But it was I came away and I'm like, well, I am. Really glad I really glad I saw it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I would uh, I would I, I'm kind of I think in the same boat as what I'm hearing here, which is um, I think it's a really good movie. It it also feels very much of a time. Mm. Um, I I think if you're going into this thinking you're in for an entertaining thrill ride with a lot of ups and downs. It's a much more cerebral movie than that. Yeah, it is. And so, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's fascinating. I really enjoy 
watching this movie. But like you were saying, the performances are very uh, naturalistic to the point of being almost amateurish. Yeah. And, um, but it's, it, it's completely unusual. Like, you know, uh, um, you're never going to see another movie like Ganja and Hess. Yep. And that's kind of the truth of it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it exists in its own space. It, 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 has a very unique narrative style. Sometimes it's a little, uh, I would dare, I call it Lynchian, um, yeah. somewhat dreamlike yeah. and yeah. surreal at times. Yeah. Especially and, towards the end. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, um, you know, the story isn't necessarily the plot's not the reason to watch Ganja and has it, you know, it's pretty straightforward. um, but just the way it's told and the imagery that's used and all yeah. that stuff is it, you know, that's the reason to watch it. And it, I, I don't know that for me, it's a movie that I just kick back and watch for entertainment's sake. But when I'm watching it, I always feel like I'm watching a movie that is done with a lot of care and, yeah. and, and with real intent. And I, it's, it's fascinating to me. Like I, I don't, I don't know, man, it ain't no Kong skull Island. <laughs> like that thing zips right along. Conjun Hess is maybe a little more uh, slow, slow to move. But um, at the end of the day, like you come away from that movie feeling like, having seen it two or three times at this point, mm. I feel like every time I see it now, there's something else I I learn about that movie. Okay. Uh, I um I found the the characters interesting in in that Ganja. There are a lot of things I don't like uh, about her uh, as a person. Um, like just, you know, the way she treats the house, the, what is he? The servant, the housekeeper, yeah. the butler, yeah. the, you know, he does it all. Um, I don't really care for her at her attitude. And like, she's, she's very um, gold diggery, you know, in a lot, a, a no, lot of absolutely. Ways. She has definitely like, class status is a major thing on her mind. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's to the point of her just being a flat out bitch at, at times. And then at the end, it's, it's interesting because I'm kind of torn because of their relationship and then how their relationship kind of ends up. It's kind of sad to me that, um, now there's this whole, she is what she is. And, he just takes himself out of the equation. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? That's harsh. <laughs> like, like, I mean, I don't know. It's like you, you, you become something with some trying really hard to not be crazy. Spoilery here, but no, it's like, you, you're doing great. That's, that's, that's totally fine. Okay. All right. Well, so you, you both become vampires first, him, then her. Right. Uh, and he kind of does it. And then she's, then he takes himself out like he figures out how to end it and right. he ends it and then she decides to stay i mean because he kind of gives her the 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 if i'm remembering correctly he gives her the option or like you know this is how you yeah come with me kind of thing and she's yeah. like no and then so i'm kind of sad not really for her because she's damned to this lifestyle but more for him because he wanted her to go with him and then she just said, nah. Right. Um, well, I don't, like, he didn't, you know, he didn't want to be a vampire in the first place. Like, well, yeah, you know, um, it was. Accidental. So I think he was, he wanted her to, to go into 
to follow him, yeah. you know, in, in to the end. Yeah. And, and she was like, much more into being a vampire. Yeah, she's like, nah, I'll stay here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? That kind of sucks, you know. For <laughs> well, yeah. and it, it, it is really unfair for her. Um, I mean, he's she's barely been a vampire, and she could it going to other vampire movie tropes of oh, we could take the time, and I could teach you how to survive, you know, as a vampire. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, especially in today's society, you know, here's the tricks that I've learned. No, never goes, never has the chance to go through that. But isn't he like, they meet relatively quickly after he's become a vampire anyway. So, um, yeah, I got the impression he was rather new to it himself, yeah. but no, I thought, well, cause see, when, when you have a, this, one of the things I've always thought, and I think everyone thinks is romantic about that, that uh, the vampire lifestyle is the fact that you do find the one that you want to spend your life with. You then virtually have eternity to spend your life together um and of course it has its drawbacks Mm -hmm. but then you know you can find ways to do it and not i mean obviously going on tropes here this is (laughs) you know not we don't have any realistic examples that i'm aware of um but um you can find ways to live that way within society and but then spend all of that time with the person you want to be with and yeah i did feel like it was very very quick and and he didn't really talk to her about this decision it was a no it was like a oh well yay we're vampires see ya you know and i I don't know i was kind of torn about how to feel about that because on one hand i didn't really like her Mm -hmm. um and then on the other hand i thought it was a very uh it was a very unfair situation uh even though i didn't like her i mean it just my emotions were all over the place with this thing is I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, I wasn't really quite sure how I felt about his decision, her decision. Um, you know, I think if I were her at that point, I would be very resentful. Um, like you, you did this and then now you leave me, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, yeah, that's hurtful and, and, and horrible. But then uh, there's a part of me who's like, well, you know, she kind of deserves it. She's a bit of a cunt. So I don't... <laughs> Man, you were just know. hard on the undead. Well, she's accurate on this one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and then the movie ends with the dude coming out of the pool, just swinging in the breeze, running towards the house. So she's fine. Right, her, her new vampire lover. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... Again, the plot's not the reason we're all here. No. Um, it, but yeah, the characters are are incredibly um, real to the point sometimes of being uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, which is one of the things that kind of makes the movie pretty special. I don't know. Vanessa, what, I'm interested uh, because this was your suggestion, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> okay. Um. How do you, well, uh, based on what I said, am I, are you, do you feel me? Am I? No, 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 absolutely. And I mean, and and honestly, why I suggested this is that uh, this movie I know is very different. It's not what people expect. And it's not easy to find, I mean, only until recently. Um, And I just think it doesn't get talked about enough because there's so much, there's so many different things here. Um, and, and I know 
I'm partial at times to things that fall more into the art house category. Uh, I accept the fact that I'm into weird shit, but um, this it, it you have this coming out the year after Blackula, and it gets thrown into the black exploitation category, but it's not. It's 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 much more of an experimental art film, and it it's it's actually quite subversive in that way. Um, just like the spook who sat by the door, these you know things that get thrown into the black exploitation genre, and it's going to be a throwaway type thing. But you have films. Not only are they made primary made for the black audience, but they also had predominantly black crews. And I think that's a pretty significant piece of the film's history. And I think, you know, you can definitely see some, the contributions um, in the imagery. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I find it much more interesting of a concept of vampirism. Even though it's really more of an allegory, I guess, of addiction. Um, but it's a definitely... Yeah. It's still a vampire movie. Yeah. You can't get around that. Oh, for sure. With the yeah. very, uh, very 70s blood, which I love. It, oh, I in know. the way that <laughs> Martin is a vampire movie. Right. You know, I think I, I right. think this has more in common with that than Blackula, yeah. you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, as soon as you mentioned that, I was thinking that those would be two very interesting films to watch together. Oh, yeah. Right. I think. Because I love Martin. I, I absolutely love Martin. Um, Which I believe is coming to Blu-ray soon. And I love this too. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up too that this one gets lumped in with uh, black exploitation. So people have these expectations of it going in. Which, I mean, like I said, like, and I had just recently, and I said I had just recently, recently come off watching um, Sugar Hill. And I, so I was in this mindset and i was like oh ganjin has i'm expecting and that those were my expectations and i'm watching the film like that is not what this is at all and it's very sad to me that because it was made with a primarily black crew it is made for the black audience at the time it it was kind of damned to be lumped you know when it doesn't really belong there at all it it stands on its own as Absolutely. a as just a, another very competent, arty, beautifully made film. It deserves it deserves that status. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really very sad that be that because of that and because of the time period. I think if it were to be made now, it would be it would be able to stand on its own. It'd be a little easier for it, but at the time. It's like, oh, just another black film is probably how people well, it saw didn't it. You know, help. And, and so they categorized it, you know. It didn't help that it kept getting cut up yeah. into shorter versions and distributed to the drive-in and whatever grindhouse, you know, theaters. And how much actually got lost when audiences saw it. They put it under different titles. Yeah. And so it was years before really people had the opportunity to see it in much more of its entirety. And I think that maybe made a difference too, because cut certain things out, move things around. Yeah. It could be very, it's be just throw a very away different film. Yeah. Very throw away. 
And yeah, and there's a whole, I mean, I don't know. There are a, a lot of implications as far as that goes. Like, oh, well, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to sell this film except for the driving crowd. The driving crowd's not going to watch an arty film. Where the driving crowd's going to want to watch a, 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 a gorier chopped together film or something. I mean, you know, just like, just picture the meetings or, or the conversations right. that were being had about trying to market this film and how much they cut it short uh, and, and really to the disservice of this film on the whole at the, at the time. It's very, that's kind of depressing. But yeah, well, so now it's out there. I assume the version on Shutter is the full, the original. Yeah. Yeah. I believe um shit Cinemax? I think it's the MoMA uh, restoration version that's on yeah. there. I know there's a there's a Blu-ray available. I think it's through Synapse or maybe Blue Underground, one of those. Uh Kino. Oh, that's right. It's Kino. Thank you. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I mean, even it. as much of this that's still kind of in the film was still in bad condition, mm -hmm. it's still beautiful. The blood looks great. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe want a few Bloody Marys at different points, but you know. <laughs> Goddamn, love that seventies blood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's my favorite blood. I, I that's an odd statement. That's <laughs> I realized as it was podcast, my favorite blood. <laughs> yeah. As it was leaving, as it was leaving my mouth, I was like, "That's a that's a bizarre statement to make." But uh, I do love seventies blood, Italian blood. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, give me that bright red paint looking but you know, I love that shit. I can't stand this this horrible purple crap that uh, like say like you'll see in like toe tag pictures and, and things like I I don't know, oh, I you mean I realistic just... blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's it's like hot pink. I don't I I don't get that. Now of course this blood isn't realistic. But it has a much more, uh, I don't know the word, it's it's, well, it's definitely more vibrant, but right. it, it, it has a, an aesthetic to it that, that I just, I'm drawn to, whereas this like, theatricality. yeah, yes. And, uh, yeah, I'm all about my color palettes and <laughs> I am, but anyway, old primary Jamie, they call her. <laughs> I like movies with color, you know, just uh, I'm so glad we're finally climbing out of that. Uh, we're beginning to climb out of that, you know, um, black and white era. Well, how no. do you feel about talking? <laughs> no, no, no. The that monochromatic everything's washed in blue. Everything's washed in green. Everything's, you know, oh, yeah, I can't filter. stand that crap. And I, I need I want to see some color in my film. And that was another thing I loved about like, say movies like Kong. It was just like versus like, say um, like the Superman films that, what is it? Uh, like Superman returns, which was really ugly. I think. Um, you mean man of steel? Man, yes. What I said. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, there was like, I just, I don't like that. I need something. I, I need that, that whole desaturated we're gonna turn down the color i didn't know i want i want punch i want vibrant color and that's why i love that orange i mean orange that blood that blood that reddish orange that uh. 
Seventies blood, yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite blood. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> you know how I get? I go off on these things. <laughs> like Asian. We know. Five years. We know. <sighs> but I would, yeah, you know, Concha and Hess, aka Artsy and Fartsy. Yep. Yeah, but it, but in the in the right, best right. way, it, like that's not a knock against it. It just means like know what you're getting no. into. This is not. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this mm-hmm. isn't Blackula, which is still no. better than it should yeah. be. But Blackula right. is amazing. I love that. Again, film. you have a trained like Shakespearean actor, stage actor in a lead role. That makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. William Marshall yeah. can sell shit, and I believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bought a lot from it. Let's not let's uh let's talk about the <laughs> the way to dispatch the now the it's standing in the sh- standing oh, yeah. in the shadow of of the just, cross. Was it any? It was any cross, right? I believe. Which is so. interesting that they're because I think they made which it is interesting that They have these very strong, like that really strong Christian implication there, but the the original method was a knife from, from an yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And how those two go together, I don't know. Well, I think well, I think. Oh, go ahead, Vanessa. You're smarter than me. I, I don't know about that, <laughs> but I, as a running theme throughout this, and you know, you see it. I think to some extent with the music is you're kind of it's it's the old world versus the new world and um peaking these different pieces of what has traditionally compiled black black culture in this country you know is it very much the deep church roots uh, the revivals and that kind of thing versus, I mean, well, it comes out in the seventies when you have this resurgence of, um, black culture going back to roots of, okay, Africa, the Caribbean. That's, that's all I was going to say, Bo, I don't know if I was smarter than what you were going to say, but no, no, (laughs) pretty much. And I get that. Pretty much the same. I I am going to say. (laughs) <laughs> as far as I mean, I get it. As far as like, you do have a melding of the of Christian and and African when you get to things like when you do get to things like voodoo. Uh, it, it, but, and that makes sense thematically. But I just mean historically, like w- within the actual like within the story itself. Um. I think there was a mention somewhere about how the mission... I think it was like missionaries came and did something. Okay, I guess... Why. Yeah, okay. That make, that well, I, think I, it's in his, I think it's when he was researching. Yeah, I was basically <laughs> yeah. looking out how within the story, how the two came... Like what the background is with the actual, uh, the, the actual dagger itself and how it became a thing. Through his studies um, in Africa. Yeah, yeah, that's how he found the dagger because he was doing study. He was studying the tribe in Africa, and then 
I think what he's when he later on when he's trying to figure out how to basically kill himself, um, he finds that there was a story of how they were able to, to you know defeat these um, these tribesmen or something or other. I think it's been yeah, a couple of weeks. That all sounds right. <laughs> right. Or close enough for government. Again, work. this is it, yeah. It, it, again, the plot is yeah, really I think not I'm trying to the think, point of this movie. I'm, it's yeah, very I think visual. I'm trying to think too hard about it. <laughs> there, it's I, not strong. Honestly, on, it's I, not heavy on plot. No. And I literally, I, I finished the movie. was like, what the fuck did I just watch? I went out and had a cigarette. And I read the Wikipedia article. And read the plot synopsis. And I'm like, no, yeah, that's exactly what just happened. Okay. It just, in plain, like, here's the story of the movie. I'm like, oh, yeah. That, that explains everything and everything. Okay. You know, it kind of just, I needed that extra, because I guess I wasn't really expecting it for what it was. And it was, it is very, it is a very heavy visual storytelling. So I was like, I kept trying to follow the plot, but the plot's really not, not, all, there's not a whole lot to the plot. So I just wanted to like, you know, I, I sat there and read it. I was like, okay, yeah, that I wanted to make sure that I understood what I had just watched and that I wasn't, you know. That I wasn't just crazy that the plot seemed very light. I was like, okay, no, it really is. Okay, cool. Um, it's more about atmosphere yeah, and character study. Of, yes. Oh, yeah. And that stuff was really, really good. Um, and like I said, I think there's a point where he is... He, I think there was a story about the missionaries. Um, and the scene, I thought it was odd. Um, in a way, when... So he figures out that he has to be in the shadow of the cross to die... And then he goes into a church, and I figured that like okay, he's gonna die in the church, but he doesn't. And then the, the the whole church scene goes on for a while, and then I think he's given a blessing, and then he leaves. Yeah, is what happens. Yep. And then yeah, and then he goes and dies, which was also I was like oh they're literally I was like oh they're literally suspending a cross from the ceiling with a light on it. All right, <laughs> neat. Have Neat. any of you seen the uh, Spike Lee remake? <laughs> I just no, and, uh, Jesus. I was actually going to do a double feature with that so I could have the comparison in my head, um, but I never got a, never got the chance to watch it. Yeah, I was. Kind of I heard that. I did but... read about it that it was a lot of it was shot for shot. There's part of it that is. Um, it comes. It's much. It's boring in comparison, in my opinion. Uh, and that's not something I usually say about Spike Lee movies. Um, <laughs> and the fact that he just refuses to acknowledge that it has any elements of vampirism in it just drive me nuts. But that's an entirely separate issue. So huh. how does how does it get handled? I mean, because it's about... Yeah, how can you do... It's purely you... about addiction in his mind. The Is way there blood... I mean, it's, yeah, it's addiction for blood, but it's like, I'm sorry, <laughs> fucking vamp vampires. Oh, okay. like, it's just... So Spike Lee's just the one who's saying it's, a, it's not about, it's not. Yeah, about Spike Lee's saying that. It, okay. And I, I even though it, it even clearly, though it clearly is. is. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's still, I mean, it's, it's very similar in the way it unfolds, but it just. Mm hmm. Is it present day? Yes, it is. Hmm. Okay. I'll be interested to see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
course. Of course. Yeah. I'd be interested <laughs> to see. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd be interested to see the, the take on it. I don't know how I'd feel about that. But at the, it, why? It's just boring in comparison. Why? Uh, that, that I mean, why that just that makes no sense to me. It's like no, that they're, they're not vampires. They just are ad- addicted to blood. That's crazy. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, who? I don't know. I'm not sure why yeah, it's so important super. to him to make that distinction. I don't know either. I don't know either. Um, I, I've never really figured that out from whatever interviews I had read. It just struck me as something that. How can you remake this movie and not, it you know, acknowledge that and have it in mind? And then when I finally saw the movie and saw how close it was, it was like, oh come on, like really? And yeah. what's right. wrong with, um, okay, allegorically, it could be an addiction film, but you still acknowledge the fact that it's a vampire film. They can, you can right. do both. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Spike Lee. Um, maybe well, he's afraid of vampires. Maybe Spike Lee doesn't like horror movies, but he did a. Uh, he or he executive produced um, Tales from the Hood. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's frustrating. Maybe he is afraid of vampires. Maybe so. He's like, well, we can't talk too much about them because they'll Beetlejuice their way into my life. <laughs> yeah. He's afraid of them Dracklers. Ah. <laughs> It's nobody say the Goddamn V word. Drivers. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, like I think Ganjin Hess gets away with it because it is such a, well, I mean, they, they do directly address it actually. And um, at any rate, I, I just, I've got no time. It, it's the walking dead syndrome of like, will somebody just fucking say zombies on this show once and I can just right. move on with my life. Right. And, uh, and and I hate vampire movies that go out of their way to be like, well, we're not really a vampire movie. It's it's different. It's like, no, fuck you. These are vampires. And, I mean, they can be a different kind of vampire. Oh. Sorry to break in. Um, holy shit, I guess George Romero just died? Oh, my what? God. What? No. That... No, are you serious? Is it real? Are you sure? That's... I'm checking. Don't Don't tease me like that. I'm checking... I'm not trying to. I literally just saw something on Instagram but, about it. So. That can't be right. I'm glad to know our conversation's so riveting that you're looking at Instagram. <laughs> no, sorry. I literally just... That can't be real. It can't be real. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. <gasps> Holy shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, <gasps> he was uh, apparently battling lung cancer. Oh my god. Yep. <laughs> wow. Shit. Sorry to bring the show down. Everybody. Yeah. Oh, Papa Bear. Yeah. I'm sorry. That one really, um, it's, it's rare that, um, celebrity deaths affect me. <laughs> I mean, usually I'm just like, oh, well, that's yeah. sad. That one actually hit me on a, <laughs> Very real level, I and mean, especially because we had um, there was the announcement of his new movie, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm like one of the three people in the world that was looking forward to it. <laughs> 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 but, 
Oh yeah, but Zombie Mad Max. Oh shit. Mm. Well, shit. Um. Yeah, I mean that's one of the pillars, man. That, that's it's yeah. tough to see. Yeah. Um, and you had just mentioned The Walking Dead, and uh, somebody say like somebody say zombies, please. <laughs> that's so bizarre. <laughs> I know, right? Oh. <sighs> okay, um, so... So Ganja and Hess. That's, so Ganja and Hess. Yeah. It's a good movie. Shall watch it. One thing um, I wanted um, to say that yeah. I noticed... Uh, I watched it a couple times for this, but I noticed the last time I watched it that I just had never thought about before is how much of it is ripped off in The Hunger... Um, just there's certain camera angles and things that are done with the soundtrack and the sound design mm. that remind me so much of a few scenes in The Hunger that I'm like, that's just, that's not an accident. It can't be. <laughs> I It's been forever since I've seen The Hunger, so I'd have to go back and I'd have to go back and rewatch both. Well, particularly um, when Ganja is like she's just finished eating her first victim or drinking mm. her first victim, whatever. Um, it's, it's very much like Susan Sarandon, her Sarah character after she has her first feed. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. Just one of those things that popped into my head. Interesting. Yeah. I, mm. I, I like that. Oh. though. Like I, I had the same experience with um, them and alien recently. Uh, where I was like, there's no way that Ridley Scott did not have a working knowledge of this movie when he made Alien. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are, are we suggesting that Ridley Scott is just ripping off other movies? Uh, I mean, if you want to have this conversation, if that's what we're going to do and talk about the fact that Ridley <laughs> Scott's not half as good as people make him out to be. Uh, yeah, especially uh, his dumbass opinions about Blade Yeah, Runner. he can shut up about that. Also, uh, stop yep. making alien movies. How about you do that for me? Yep. Um, yeah. That, that you're fucking it up. Uh, Just in, Ridley Scott right. dead. <laughs> God. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, also, I just, we just name-checked Martin. Earlier, we were talking about yeah. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead and yeah. Land of the Dead. I talked about going to the premiere of Land of the Dead. I mean, that. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. Oh, man. Okay, let's go ahead and grade this movie and then we'll close out the show and. All good. Yeah. Porn? They've already already updated his IMDP. And they're on that shit fast. Yeah, they are. It's like, died July 16th, 2017. Damn. <laughs> is that somebody's job? Like, yeah, I'm. It's not even cold right. yet. I'm, I'm oh, sure that's. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he was at 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 a position where he had PR people, but I would assume that the family yeah. has somebody that's representing. Yeah. Them. Yeah. I'm sure Probably. he has an agent. Right. Uh, at least. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Mr. Ransdell. What do you? Um. Yeah. 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 Um, I give it four. <laughs> Son okay. of a bitch. 
Um, it's tough because, like I said, it's it's not a movie I necessarily watch to have a good time, but I always feel like I'm a better person mm-hmm. after watching it. <laughs> that I've been enriched somehow. Um, so okay. I would I would give this like a, and then that's very short lived, right? Because immediately I'm like, we took experiment too. Uh, just <laughs> cram crap back into my brain. Um, I, you know, I think it's an A minus movie. I think for all its flaws, it really is something unique and special. And it's one of those movies that I think if if you want to be like a diehard quote diehard horror fan, that's kind of got to be in your vocabulary. Like you, you need to watch Ganja and Hess mm-hmm. at least once, and and you'll once you watch it once, you'll you'll get it and probably watch it two or three times, like I have. Okay. Uh, Jamie. Well, this was a first time viewing for me, which I think people have gotten from <laughs> my saying that. Um, <laughs> I um, I agree with everything that Bo said, and right. I don't think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, write that down. It doesn't often happen. Actually, that's not true. It happens quite a bit, but um. <laughs> Uh, it, it does have some flaws. I don't think it's perfect. I do think there are times when mm. it gets a little draggy. Um, like they linger a little too long with some things. However, I wonder if that would change if I were to watch it more times. Like I wonder if, if that was just kind of like a first time viewing thing. And if I continue to watch right. it, if it would get, I, I have a feeling that if I were to continue to watch it, it would get better and better and better. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of at, uh, because of that, I am kind of at a, where he's like an A minus, I'm more like a B plus, uh, getting, we're, we're very close to being an A, but just uh, not quite there yet for me. I think I need to watch it a few more times to, before I could say that, but I definitely recommend it. I definitely think that people need to watch it. Uh, you need to have this in your in your head brain you know you need to you need to be able to call on this and uh yeah also um shout out to Dwayne Jones and he's he was pretty cool I I wish he had done had more leading roles um yeah yeah I think he he deserved that uh now of course I'm you know like you said he was a stage actor but I I think that I wish he had been brought to us more on the whole as as uh, cinematically, but anyway, uh, yeah. So everyone, check it out. It's uh, my favorite blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, Episode one. Oh, I'm sorry, you said it was a B plus. Uh, Jamie, your your rating was B plus. Yes. Okay, thank you, uh, Vanessa. I will also give it an A minus. Um, I I mean, there's a lot to say, but yes, there are flaws. Um, it is, I think, if you're going to be a completist about this era of cinema, particularly horror, you need to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but it's, it's just got a lot of different things going on, and it does get better, or you see more there the more times you see it. But... Mm-hmm. Even people I know that have seen it only once 
it still will stick with you in your head and you'll still go over it and go over it and go over it for at least a while. So, you know, and it's, it's enjoyable. It's yeah. It's not like, Ooh, fun, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think those are a lot of what I was thinking too. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hitting on all cylinders uh, tonight. <laughs> I know, right? I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn because I can go either. Like, it's an A minus B plus for me, and it's, I kind of, I feel like because I did only watch it once, and it was a couple weeks ago, that's an influence on it. And I do, I do agree that I think the subsequent viewings will um, help make the. I will appreciate it more with subsequent viewings. Um, so for now, I think I'll give it a, a I'll go ahead and give it a B plus on it. Cause I think it was really, I do think it was really good. Um, despite some flaws that I, I did see here and there, but I think given some time to, to watch it again and knowing what I'm getting myself into, I think I'll appreciate it more as time goes on. So yeah, that is it for Kanjin. Uh, we will. And thanks uh, for bringing that over Vanessa because you're right this movie doesn't yeah. get talked about that much and, and it ought to be it's it's kind of an important movie yeah my pleasure yep absolutely so uh, yeah we'll be right back to uh, close out the show Clytus I'm bored what plaything can you offer me today an obscure body in the SK system your majesty the inhabitants refer to it as the planet earth how peaceful it looks most effective your majesty will you destroy this earth destroy it utterly send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax so just destroy it that's what Ming said don't you ever listen well there's no arguing with Ming Helming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Helming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Helming. Breaking 2? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash dance? <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's flash dance. So thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Devour the Podcast. Um, it's been a lot of fun until I brought the room down. Sorry about that. Um, but yes, uh, Vanessa, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for bringing Ganjan Hess to the table and actually making us watch it because it was something that 
was on my radar um, and probably would have been thrown in with our next batch of exploitation horror movies whenever that would be, which at this point I don't know just because of scheduling. Um, but yeah, glad we got it in. Thank you for having me and not telling me to go fuck off with my movie choice, <laughs> um, which I knew was going to be a possibility. No. <laughs> I would have accepted that. That's fine. <laughs> We were just like, you it's know, shame. Not, hey, I know it's not a movie for everyone. That's, no, absolutely. I, I fully admit that. Yeah. That's I, why I say that. Yeah, yeah, totally get that, but. You people with your Babadooks and your Ganjas and Hesses. <laughs> uh, and your witches. Using allegory as a means to communicate your emotional <laughs> truths. No, sir, don't no, we like don't cut to that around here. <laughs> I'm done. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Um, next episode will be Cherry Falls. Um, do we have any uh, plugs? Get plugs. Go and do plugs. I plug all my stuff in the upfront. And yeah. I have never seen Cherry Falls. I'm very excited about oh. this. Nice. Uh, Vanessa, plug VD Clinic. Um, yes, uh, the next episode of VD Clinic will be coming out in a few weeks, and that is going to be uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous and the book of The Stepford Wives by mm-hmm. Year 11. Ah. Another yeah. episode with crazy bitches in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, As I uh, like. As Socrates once said, bitches be crazy. (laughs) Yes, we be. And as we're quickly learning, we're having a, we seem to be have our, the show is running on Star Trek logic where the even numbered episodes are good. And the odd numbered episodes have bad books. They only have bad books. Yeah, so far. The the movies aren't bad, it's just the books. I'm breaking the streak. I'm going to break the streak Uh, of five. That's only because you chose Stephen King. Yep. The gunslinger Every now Django. And... It's gonna be awesome. Oh yeah, that is a good right. Combo. Yeah. CV. Bo understands. I get it. I get it. I'm on board. <laughs> uh, I yeah. I'm. Do you want to be on that episode? No, because I'm I'm reading two books for a show coming up, and oh, I don't need to dump another one on top of it. And it's been. It's been far too long since I've read the original Gunslinger. Oh yeah, for me to remember more beyond you know the man in, uh, the yeah the man in black fled across the desert and the Gunslinger followed. Right. And also the spider singing Jude. That's a weird book. Yeah. Are you chewing on your wires, Vanessa? you no hey but you just uh, there's a lot of static on your side all of a sudden sorry it's okay and you're also very very that might have been the cat okay all right Uh, she's fading away on us all right (laughs) jesus all right um yeah uh is there anything else i don't think there's anything else we need to cover um we all pretty much got our plugs out in the beginning um VD Clinic is available on Legion Podcasts. 
as is Devour. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. The blog is coming back as devourthepodcast.blog. I have not done anything with it other than that. Because I'm fucking busy. But that's a thing that will happen with writing and stuff. David's busy.blog. Yeah, basically. So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get out of here. Um, say goodnight, folks. Good night, folks. Thanks. Good night, folks. Bye, everybody. If you wish to contact Devour the Podcast, you can reach us by email at CenobiteDave, that's C-E-N-O-B-I-T-E-D-A-V-E at gmail.com or maven1974 at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at D-Delamorte, D-D-E-L-L-A-M-O-R-T-E or maven1974. To visit the site, go to devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. And now you can leave a message on our fancy new voicemail at 760-661-7280. The Boogeyman is real.